Alright guys, it's Ryan here from the Peppermint Apes and I'm joined with Sam, Chris and Lewis and this is our very first podcast. So please subscribe to this channel if you're new. We're going to try and host a video every single month. But the very first video, Chris, I'll leave it over to you my friend. Well, thank you very much Ryan. Um, so the idea of doing these podcasts is just to sort of keep people interested um, and moving forward. So I think the first one we're going to do about is the history of Peppermint Apes we think would be a good one to start off with so guys how did the band start cool that was a, that's a good question chris how did it start sometimes i forget <laughs> so um 2008 is when officially the band started but just before then um it sort of goes back to sort of a childhood i grew up always watching my dad as a musician uh, he was in country bands and cover bands like hedgehog and tribute bands like t-rex um and i always kind of wanted to be in a band and i just remember one particular year um my dad joined two wrecks and i was learning the bass and basically on the back of those gigs basically I, bass basically bass <laughs> i joined this i joined this really good soul band called split decision um and there was a guy called dave fulp on keyboards shannon williams the vocalist um seven of us in total really really good band and uh we ended up you know, forming a, an originals band called Covalent was doing some good stuff. Long st- cut, long story short, that band fizzled. Uh, we were quite young, and we were going to uh, support Two Rex at the Towngate Theatre in Basildon, and that was going to be for my dad's last ever gig. Really, he was sort of hanging up the bass, if you like, and <laughs> starting to retire from the music world. And uh, yeah, it wasn't to be with Covalent. And on the side, I was always writing songs acoustically. Yeah, uh, and my dad sort of said to me, "Look." You know, you're still going to do it. Maybe you could do it, you know, yourself. I said, yeah, but I'm not really a front man. I'm a bass player in Covalent. He said, mm-hmm. no, no, you write songs. So I did it. Well, Lou, was you at that gig at the town going? Yeah, I was, yeah. Was you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. your first gig, yeah. How, how old would you have been then, would you say? Oh, 17, 18? 17, yeah. <clears throat> um, around that sort of age. Um, and so, so, so for somebody of that age to, to be gigging already is, I mean, you know, I think when I, when I was 16, 17, I mean, Obviously, you know, I'm a lot long, younger than you guys, but to be gigging at that age, sort of a nice, it must sort of been a really sort of rewarding thing, especially at that, you know, being younger. It was quite daunting. Yeah. It was great because when you're playing the Towngate Theatre, it was, it was a great show, you know, but yeah, so we did that and went down really well. Um, we had Zach, who was in Covalent. Okay. Um, he played bongos for the night. Um, had a guy called Darren, who was playing bass. He was a guitarist as well. And one of my best, my best friend, Ross, yeah. um, was playing guitar. And it went down so well that I thought, let's form a band out of this. Everyone kept saying, you know, when are you going to do more gigs? And But we weren't officially a band. It was just guys that I got together to do this slot. Now, at the time, Ross, I mean, he now, if you see him play, he's phenomenal on guitar. He's incredible. He's really done well. Um, but at that time, he was quite new to guitar. Yeah. Um, I sort of said to him, because I was best friends with him at school, and he was always into football and all that kind of stuff. And I just said to him, mate, why don't you be in a band with me? And he said, yeah, but I don't play anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's he, how uh, most good rock that's bands how it start. Yeah. I, said, I said, oh, surely you can learn the drums or something. <laughs> Sorry, Sam. But Don't worry about the instrument. Why do you do so easy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm joking. But no, it, and then... And, he was going to be the lead singer and things like that. And it just, and in the end, he started learning guitar and he picked it up really well. But at that time, I realized that I wanted to do something special. It was, I was so focused. I wanted to try and get a record deal. 
My dad said he was going to manage us because he just finished playing. He wanted to take us to the next level. And at that point, you know, Ross wasn't quite ready and some other guys that I was jamming with weren't ready at that point. So I had to audition people, kept Zach in the band, and we formed the Peppermint Apes. Um, and, you know, the first thing we had to do was think of a band name. And how we did that... Yeah, I was going to say, because, <laughs> you know, that is every band's struggle at the beginning is coming up with a name that actually catches people's attention because, I mean, I suppose of that era... I mean, you'd ha- you'd have had a lot of bands around, like you know, the Cooks, the Arctic Monkeys, mm. uh, Franz Ferdinand, it's Indie things- Paradise, Indie Paradise, like you say, yeah. yeah. So to come up with a name that's actually going to grab people's attention and you know is what you are. Mm. I, just, I suppose in, in the end of it, the name sort of defines your music and and you as people. So I mean, how did you actually come up with that name? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think in vogue at the time was Arctic Monkeys and the Pigeon Detectives and bands like that. Um, and so we were thinking of random combinations because you you try and be creative and and think of a catchy name like the yeah, reason it comes out something like really cheesy though, doesn't it? Like, yeah. With your, or, yeah. Or, or we thought or random band generator name dot com. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. exactly yeah. what we looked at. Or you just pick an element of the periodic table. Titanium. Number after it or something. <laughs> but, but you think you think of names or you think of a good one like you think I, I, I like the reason at the time, but then you realise so many bands called that. So in the end, my dad sat us down in the studio and said, "Guys, we're going to think of a name." And he literally had this whiteboard, um, and he and he had he put all these random combinations together, like some stupid names, like the Crispy Kippers. I remember that one. He's um, that, yeah. that was one of them. And there was just <laughs> random things like brown velvets and things like that. <laughs> but it just didn't yeah. make sense. But we saw peppermint apes, and we all kind of just looked at that and thought, "That kind of works," you know. And it's one of those names where some people think it's ridiculous. But some people love it. Um, it's a name, isn't it? Once it does, it does it, stand out, though, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, it, it it's an unusual well, name. Yeah, isn't I it? mean, Absolutely. you know, like moving to what we're doing now, which we'll get into later. But even when we've sort of gone off the back of booking gigs, you know, it grabs people's attention. They're mm. asking, "Well, how would you come up with that name?" And mm. you know, what, what does that name mean? Oh, it's really interesting. Always I love happens, the names. Yeah, yeah, and it just people's just reaction to it is so it, it's organic almost. So it's it's a nice, I suppose, to have a good name. Music for you this morning. The Peppermint Apes are with us, and we just love the band's name. This is Ryan, lead singer here. It's hard to build a brand as well, isn't it? Like build a brand around a name that's catchy and that's good, and not something that you want to change a couple of years down the line. Mm. So the fact that you're able to set set something up so early on. Who who was in that lineup though when it was the name was formed? (laughs) So we had we were doing a lot of auditions. So it was myself and Zach Ballinger. Um, in the band, um, we had a guy called Darren, um, and we had a guy called Jason on the guitar. Very good style. Um, so was, did... you, was you still playing bass or was you playing guitar then? No, so I, because I sort of from I was in Covalent and I was playing bass. So we had Dave Fulp on keys and me on bass. It was a really good sound. But with this, I, I, I wanted to sort of play guitar because I just thought as a frontman it made more sense to play guitar and sing. Um, it was more acoustic I was playing then, from what I can remember, and the, and yeah, the, and yeah. the telly and everything. But uh, no, I just it just worked, you know, playing guitar. Um, and we had a guy called Jason, and he had a great look, you know, looked very sort of sixties looking, you know, really good like hairstyle. You know, my dad almost said you hired before you played a note. <laughs> it was one yeah, of those yeah, kind yeah. of thing. And he had a sick ES three three five red. You would love oh, it. Yeah. There was there could have been something special about that little lineup. Actually, there was something good. There was a buzz. We. 
we had our first gig booked already. Literally, we 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 organised at about two rehearsals, and my dad said, oh, "I've booked you a gig at the Touchline." I was there for that as well for the first gig. Straight away, it was a hundred miles an hour. We had a gig booked at the NEC in Birmingham, yeah, like for a guitar mm. show kind of thing. It just all happened so quickly. My dad just gave it a hundred miles an hour before we'd even sort of re- really sort of rehearsed a song. Yeah. It was just like there were so many bookings, which is great, you know. Um, and yeah, there was. Like I say, the touchline was a really nice special first gig. We had Cuda Bucks supporting us at the time. Yeah, who played with you uh, on, on Battle of the Bands and things yeah, like that. Yeah, when I was like 14. And yeah. Josh Smith, who we'll talk about, who's obviously part of the Apes, he was in Cuda Bucks at the time. Um, they were a good little band, actually. Good little rock and roll band. But um, So that was our first gig. And then on the back of that, that's when things started to sort of go to the next level a little bit because my dad was, was talking to agents. Mm. Um, you know, towards America, etc. So I, I suppose at that point, what what really was the vision that you was sort of, well, I mean, you and your dad, I suppose, if he was managing, what was the vision that was intended? Ma- imagine for you, being that young, you're probably just like flying by the seat of your pants and just yeah. like seeing where you end up, right? Just wanting to play gigs and have a laugh. Yeah. And yeah. Sort of... I think it, for me, I mean, yeah, it all happened so quickly. But I was, what, 17, 18? You know, I, I just... I was like most teenagers at that age that's getting a little bit of success, which yeah. we were we were at that time scale. Is this the MySpace era as well? Yeah. So we was doing quite well on MySpace. And... Before my time, that was. <laughs> was it really? MySpace. Oh, it was just the tail end of it. Oh, but... man. That's, that's weird. <laughs> that's yeah. a long time. You, don't, you never learn about your top friends and how much that meant no. in, in school. <laughs> I do remember Facebook, though. When I'm, you... at your, Tom. I'm, I'm out your top three. Do you, remember, do you remember Tom, the MySpace friend Tom? Everyone used to have. Yeah, oh yeah, Tom was number one. <laughs> oh yeah, Tom was the first MySpace friend. Yeah. Yeah. One, <laughs> of the, one of the first people. I well, remember my of, first friend. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I started Facebook. I think it was still like, oh, you'd add all your best friends as family members for some reason. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brother. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. No. Still on there now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, in answer to your question in terms of vision, I think to the top, mate, I, I, it might sound arrogant, um, but I, I, I really believed. You know, and and it's weird actually. I watch things now on YouTube, like the law of attraction. Like you attract what you what yeah. you believe and what you can visualize. And I generally believed that we were going to be the next best thing. Mm. I just visualized it every single day. People used to say to me, I used to work at Curry's at the time on the weekend, and people used to say to me, "What are you going to do? Like, what's your plans?" And everyone was talking about I want to become an accountant, want to do this. And I was like, "I'm going to be in a band. I am in a band, and this is this is my career." And people used to look at me like I was a d- yeah. But at the end of the day. Probably I was a bit of a d- <laughs> but I really believed in That's going the thing, to the though, top. It's a bit of a pipeline dream, isn't it? Because whenever you say to anyone, like playing a band, first thing they say is, oh, you know, you got a record contract or, you know, you got albums and things mm. like that. So, yeah. Exactly, mate. And I wasn't humble at all. At that age, I just wanted everything, you know, I, and I, I wanted to be the next Beatles. I just wanted to go to the top. And my dad, funnily enough, because a lot of musicians, a lot of parents are like, you know, have a real job, do this. He was so supportive and he was like, yeah, let's yeah. get you to the top. Um, and, and it was slowly getting, getting closer and closer helped, though, to Because your dad had a musical background as well. 100%. Obviously, it's yeah, like, that contacts. probably really helped. I suppose there was, there was an, a massive element as well. I mean, if, if I was in a similar situation to you, there would be a part of me that I just really want to make my dad proud. Mm. Um, and obviously with him being so sort of respected within the sort of local music, in, you know, not in, say, industry, but the community... Mm. It must have been sort of like you know I'm doing this with my dad. I'm, I'm making him proud, and we're, we're doing it together mm. as like a father son sort of thing as well. So that must have been a really rewarding hundred percent. And to this day, actually, I don't think that that's ever really left me. Really, when I do a gig and he's in the audience, 
I think you guys sometimes feel like that a bit, yeah, being managed yeah, by yeah, me. Yeah, definitely. You, he's the one person you kind of want to yeah. impress. It's so what, what, yeah. what I speak to him. Yeah. You know, and you kind of think, has he liked it? Yeah. Have you done something? You know, it's one of those things. I but... mean, if he doesn't like a gig, I feel like I've let everyone yeah, down. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I'm the same. I'm the same. Yeah. He certainly, he'll certainly tell you. Yeah. That's for sure. But oh, it's yeah. constructive, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the best thing. It's all constructive. So, mm. and it just helps you improve. And that's why the apes, like when I when I used to come watch his live, when you were first together, it was like, um, wow, what, I've never seen a band like this before. I think because the discipline was there. Yeah, It's amazing, isn't it? Because also, like you say, he's got so many years of musical experience at that particular point, and you're like 17, 18. So you're, you know, malleable. You can, you know, you can be shaped in a certain mm. way. Not, not detrimentally, but like in terms of, you know, instilling certain things that you wouldn't have as like a 17-year-old like in a garage somewhere. No, Do you know exactly. what I mean? Like you yeah. get like... That must have been really, really good as well because it gives you the experience that you haven't got yeah. at that age. And, <clears throat> you know, and it and it was great. And, you know, it was good fun. We was enjoying it. And there was always, like, you know, radio shows and that wanted to speak to us and auditions yeah. for record labels. We were loving life at the time. We did a, a, an EP called The Miracle EP. Yeah. Um, and that got a lot of attention. Um, and then I think things started to get realistic. Like, they were talking about, you know, tours, America. Yeah. And... Jason at the time, and I completely understand and respect this. You know, he was paying a mortgage, which I didn't really understand at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, but he was, was he a little bit older then, I take it. How much? He was early twenties. Yeah, paying for a mortgage. Um, he'd just been promoted. He was a manager in a shop somewhere, and doing quite well for himself. And I yeah. think the tours and what was, what, you know, what was in front of us would have meant really that you'd lose your job. And he wasn't prepared to take that gamble, which I completely respect. And I think, like anyone, I think when you join a band, you kind of probably think that maybe a year, two years down the line, that's when good things will happen. But I think within three months, you weren't expecting to need to get a record deal, which is where we were. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And I, and that's and so sadly, Jason left the band, and he left on pretty good terms. He it wasn't like oh, you know, why are you leaving? It was sad at the time, but you know, we completely understood. You know, so that's when he left. Um, but then we had to find the right replacement. Um, at this point, Darren, you know, who was playing bass and guitar. Um, I remember that because you used to switch, didn't you? Yeah, I remember seeing that at the touchline. Yeah, yeah. yeah, You know, instruments a lot. Um, But we had to find somebody. Now, we were auditioning, trying to find people, and we we did audition a lot of people. So when you was auditioning at, um, I mean, was was there sort of a deadline to get somebody in for the next step of the band? Was was that coming up to the tour, would you Sort of. I mean, we were talking to a record label at the time, yeah. uh, Terry Scully, um, for Real Records. Okay. I mean, he was coming down, and you, you, there was kind of like a, a deadline because yeah. you could see that they wanted to do things. Yeah. But there wasn't like an official, it has to be done within four weeks or six weeks or an agenda, but we just wanted to find someone quickly, but we wanted the right person. Yeah. We were seeing people, and, you know, there were some good musicians but couldn't commit, um, and there were people that gave it the talk, but weren't that great. So it was a mixture of people, really. Um, but we found one person and it was actually Lauren. She, um, messaged Lewis Brown. He went to school with both of us. Um, I didn't really know him at school to be fair. Um, he was a couple of years younger, um, but quite a cool lad at school. Yeah. Um, he was always kind of like the, a ladies man mm. and all that kind of stuff. He was one of those kids that was the cool kid at school. And, you know, and I remember that I, I never really spoke to him, but I remember everyone sort of used to look at Lewis Brown and if there was music events, he was always the guy playing the guitar and all the girls used to want him kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it, that was, and I was thinking, is he going to be a dick? 
is he going to be a nice guy? But he was a really nice guy when he came in for the audition. I always remember knock, he knocked on the door, you know, because it was his audition. And he, I opened and he had these massive sideburns, like these huge, like, you know, and it was great. It was proper like 70s. And I was like, the first thing I said is, I love the sideburns, man. That's the first thing I said. <laughs> and he went, cheers, dude, you know. <laughs> um, and he'd learned the, the EP. He'd learned Miracle to Me and No One Like Me, the guitar yeah, parts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Darren wasn't too happy. I think he, you know, he really wanted to play guitar. So we agreed that he'd play bass and guitar. And he came in, came in and... Uh, that's what we started to do. So we, 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 we was then a, a lineup and, and doing gigs and planning America. So, so, that oh. was, so it was yourself, Lewis Brown, and Zach Ballinger then. And Darren. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Darren, Darren as well then. Yeah. Okay. So then, you know, you had the opportunity of every young band's lifetime um, to go to America. How did that come around? Yeah, so it we were a lineup for around about a year as that lineup, doing quite a lot, a lot of the band nights as you do, you do at London. It was gigging every weekend near enough. It was always rehearsing. We used to rehearse about five times a week, um, and our relationships were near enough impossible then. Mm. Um, Still are. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, we'll edit it, that it, bit it, out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that will be on the next podcast. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but no, we yeah, we, we was always working hard and working with again for Real Records wanted to sign us and they did sign us for that EP. Um, but yeah, my dad was constantly networking and speaking to people. But we had this American tour lined up, and Darren just started getting really weird. Um, he just, you know, he used to turn up to the rehearsals, you know, my dad is a manager. I think we all know he, at times he could be a bit strict, you know, we were young at the time we needed discipline. Um, and he knew I can looking back on hindsight now, he knew that time was ticking. Really. There was only going to be limited amount of years to really sort of try and break the market before we get old and everyone wants to settle down and. You get bald and all that sort of stuff. He knew that there was there was going to be a there's going to be a time scale. I'm speaking for myself. Yeah. But, um, he knew that we had to really give it a hundred percent. So he was every single rehearsal, guys. Why haven't you learned this? What are you doing next? You know, he was on it, but he had our backs all the time. But Darren used to take it to heart. He wasn't. I don't know if he really wanted to be famous. He kind of wanted to jump on the bandwagon, but I think he uh, didn't. The pun. Yeah, <laughs> but he didn't really realise what was going on. You know, and basically the next step was we sat Darren down and we said, look, in six months' time, we're going to America. We've got loads lined up. We're going to go on Fox TV in in Texas. We're going to go to New York City. There's a tour that we're going to go on, a big tour bus, supporting a big band, and we're going to end up in Johnny Depp's restaurant. We might even meet the guy. Um, Do you want to do this? Because if you want to leave, Darren, you know, we'd, we'd respect it, and we've got time to find the right person. No, no, I want to stay. I want to be in the band. This, this band's my life. I love it. We had all that. So everything was good as new. Um, and then just all of a sudden, he just stopped coming to rehearsals and was being awkward, you know, as a, as a band member. And how long before you went off to the States was that happening? About a month. Really? Yeah, so not, so so not long. Like, frustrating. Like... And then he kind of, you know, he was getting sulky and, and 
And then my dad said, right, have a week off, I think it was, learn a few songs, but have some time off from rehearsals. And he did. And then he came in, didn't learn a song. Yeah. Yeah, my dad, you know, got a bit grumpy, as you could imagine. Um, but still, um, we then spoke to Darren. And then two weeks before, or two or three weeks before going to America, without even speaking to us, he just said, I'm out the band. And he sent a quite, quite a nasty email with dad as well. And yeah, it, it didn't leave on good terms. So, you know, I don't wish him any harm. You know, I wish him the best with whatever he does, but I've got, I've got no plans to speak to him to this day. But at the end of the day, yeah, we could have, you know, there was a four of us ready to go to America to, to support a big band and aim to sort of get a record label. All of a sudden, there's only three of us. Yeah. And we're thinking, Shit. <laughs> and the thing is, as well, for people that don't know, as well, like if anyone has or hasn't been to America and stuff, like you know, we, we, it was different when this is. No, we are now post Brexit, so we're in a different situation. But you know, if you're traveling around Europe and things, you don't need to fill out visas and forms and that. You can just kind of go wherever. If you're going to America, you need to apply for different types of visas and all these sort of things. So it's not like you can just sort of necessarily bring anyone in instantly, is it? Because no. there's lots of practicalities that oh, factor was... into a tour like that. It's not just mm. like, oh, I, I know a guy, can you step in for us and come and learn the set in a couple of weeks and jump yeah. on? You know, it's there's a lot of practicalities involved oh, as well. There's a lot involved, you're right. And obviously we had to, yeah, went to London a lot for the American Embassy and all that sort of stuff for, for the visa. But yeah, three weeks we had. Um, so we thought, what do we do? Do we cancel it? Um, and the management company that was involved with the the band that was going to take us on the big tour bus wasn't really interested in us because are you showing commitment? You know, your lead, a band member's gone. So we, we lost out on that part of the tour. So we was thinking, what do we do? But my dad happened to arrange all the, you know, the Texas, some of the gigs in New York City and stuff in LA. So we had a long chat and we decided to continue. You know, we were auditioning some guitarists, but it wasn't going to work in time. So basically we decided to be a three piece. Um, we we wrote a couple, I wrote a song "Someone Like You," which ended up going on the album, which we'll talk about soon. But um, not the Adele song. <laughs> <laughs> We'd we'll be sitting in a mansion if you grow that. Plug plug. Yeah. <laughs> Royalties Adele. No, but we yeah. So we, <laughs> <laughs> but we went as a three piece, and obviously we weren't the full package. We were we were just three of us, and it wasn't really a, a tight three piece. We did the best we could. Um, and, you know, we performed on TV shows. And I think you look at the footage, I think we, we sounded like a good band, but we were never going to take the world by storm. We could have done as a four-piece if we, or with another member or if we had someone like yourself in at the time, if he was old enough then. Yeah. You know, it, it would have been, been great, but what do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, so that really was painful. But put that aside, you know, there are times I look back on that and I think, what if we would have gone as a, as a four-piece? Would we have been signed? Would it have changed the dynamics of the band? We'll never know. You'll never, never know. But put all that park that now. The actual experience was fantastic. You know, it was we bonded so well. You know, we did stuff in you know the gigs in New York City. One of the gigs we were you know were under twenty one, so we weren't allowed to be in the venue. But was that we had to wait outside and then wait and then go onto the stage and then get off and go. We couldn't wait and chill. Um, you know, we was on TV shows, and I remember when we was on Fox TV, the guy, sort of floor manager, said to me, Are "You nervous, kid?" And I was like, "A little bit." He said, "Well, you should be. There's thousands watching." We go on. Mic drop. And and she said, and she said when we went to Texas, um, we've only got one mic um, for the interview. Who, who's going to talk? And Zach and Lewis looked and said, "Ryan." I went, "Oh, okay." 
So it's oh, just me talking. You, you kind of signed yourself up for that one, mate, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm number one. <laughs> That's what you get being the front man. <laughs> but no, it was a really good tour. And we met some great people out there. We finally met with Jerry Sanders as oh, well. Yeah, I mean, you know, he filmed a really good documentary, which at some point we'll probably post some of the clips on YouTube. Because there's clips on YouTube of all the TV shows and the interviews. There, there are, things? yeah. But I'd like to upload the documentary, I think. I think at some point it'd be good to sort of re... You know, I also did little vlog diaries as well. Mm-hmm. Um but a really good buzz, and I think again, New York, Texas, LA was fantastic. Did you go to a steakhouse? We Texas. did, funny enough. Yeah. Obviously, I'm vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> I would love this story. So <laughs> <laughs> I brought it up. <laughs> so the best thing is, I've gone in there, and uh, this is in Texas, and um, so <laughs> you know what's coming, didn't you? Yeah. So we've sat down, and I've just I've realised like my uncle's there. He loves his meat as well. So he's like, I have a big T-bone, yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was Gary. Yeah, yeah. He's like, What's the biggest steak you do? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I've then said to the waitress, um, "Sorry, do you have anything for vegetarians?" And it was a bit like EastEnders, you know, when the sort of the music stops and everyone stares. Yeah. <laughs> what the what, f- what, what, what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. He said, "She said what?" I said. I said, if you got anything vegetarian, I said, vegetarian? I said, I James, don't, James Brown's serving you. <laughs> <laughs> she said, yeah, we, we do chicken. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> That's the, uh, the Texas vegetarian cuisine. Yeah. 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 Chicken. Instead right. of beef. Yeah. So I think I had leaves yeah. uh, that night. Yeah. yeah. Leaves. I bet it cost you a fortune as well. I've always been out the back and picked the grass off the floor, didn't they? Just forgot the she went, did she take you out the back? She said, we've got some cows out here. They've got some grass they're grazing yeah. on. You can help mow that. I was like, go on then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, fantastic, fantastic tour. And we had, we had some great laughs out there as well. Yeah. I mean, I'll always remember, sorry, I always remember we was in one of the hotel rooms, all three of us sharing a bed kind of thing. <laughs> and I was having a bit of a... <laughs> you see? <laughs> Like the sausage, no. So we, <laughs> but no, I'm joking. But anyway, I was having a little bit of a nap because we, we was about to go to a gig, and and Zach and Lewis they went to this music shop, and that's funny enough. That's where um, they got some of the gear. I actually bought the um, Mexican Telecaster, the white telly that I've still got to this day out there because visa wise we couldn't take all our guitars out, so we had to go out as tourists and get the gear out there. And some of the time it was it was so funny. We went, we were supporting bands in New York City. And we just, we were so cheeky. We had no instruments whatsoever. And we were supporting this metal band. We were sort of like a pop indie band. And we were supporting this death metal band. Zach playing in a 20 piece drum kit. I'll always remember Zach, bless him. He went up to the drummer and he, uh, he said, I said, Zach, you have to ask, because this, this is like a proper like, beefy, <laughs> beefy bloke. Go on, Zach. With like tattoos all down his arm and a bit, massive big beard. And I, 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 I said, Zach, I said, can you, um, can you just go up to him and ask to, you know, use his kit? He went, all right. I said, and, and Zach actually did it. He went up and said, excuse me, mate, can I have your kit? And he went, yeah, man, you can use my, you know, an American accent. He said, but you break my kit, I'll bust your balls. <laughs> <laughs> Zach was playing with, like, feathers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I Got remember, his brushes yeah. out, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a jazz gig. Yeah. Jazz drum on a 20-piece kit. <laughs> oh, but we were having good fun, you know, that sort of stuff, but... And what were the, did the people take to you as well? Like it's like you know a young British band, seventeen, eighteen, you know, kind of going up to all these different places. Did the actual the locals and the people like really like what you were doing? They did, you know, and they're like, oh, I like your accent. Typical sort of cliches, but it was really good. Yeah. So yeah, on the whole, 
good memories in America. Really, really enjoyed it. So, Ryan, uh, you play guitar here, and we've got Zach, who's considered the chill guy on the drums, and Lewis is your everyday dude with sideburns. I like how you describe it there on the bass. <laughs> All right, what are you guys going to play for us this morning? We're going to start off with uh, Someone Like You. Someone Like You, the Peppermint Apes here in Austin on The Morning Show. Thank you, guys. the next sort of step is it you know you had i heard that you had an album yeah um and you had they they thought joining yeah definitely so we there was a good buzz if you can imagine once you've toured america um a lot of people then are interested um and dave was really keen to join the band and loads of promoters wanted to book us for gigs in the uk um and to this day we can still milk that we've played america you know we still get big gigs on the back of it but Coming back, Dave, funnily enough, we were talking to Dave before we went to America and he, and he saw some of the clips and I think he was like, wow, I've got to join this band. Um, and we were writing songs. We we almost had an album, you know, ready to go, but he came in, helped with some of the production and, yeah, he joined the band. Um, and we went into the studio, Pete Booker Studio, Arcade Studios. Um, my dad produced everything. I wrote most of the songs. Um, co-wrote a couple of them with the boys. Um, and we come up with Against the Wall, which was our debut album, which was putting out, obviously, to... What was, what was the single on that one? Uh, Dance Floor Hero. Oh, great song. Classic. Absolute brilliant. <laughs> but no, it was, it was good fun. And you know we talked about an ego earlier. That's just come right back. Yeah, the thing about that, the thing don't about think the shed's big enough for my head, is it? Yeah, <laughs> the thing, about that, the gone, thing, the thing about that song, though, is when you go and watch Originals Band live and they've got a song, you can never... I've never been able to get into an original song usually, but when I listen to Dance Floor Hero, because it's such mm. a easy chorus with the ooh la las and things like, people just join in mm. and it, like we could probably get away with it at one of our gigs. Mm. <laughs> like, and we have a few times. I mean, with other lineups and stuff, we've done wedding gigs and pub gigs, and I've played Dance Floor Hero, and then everyone was rocking to it and dancing, and I've said, "Oh, by the way, our song <laughs> <laughs> takes you back, doesn't it?" Yeah. No, but. Yeah, and that's what with my songwriting, that's what I try and do. You know, as a band, like we we all we can jam ideas, and I think I'm a bit rockier now, ironically. My style always changes, but I've always tried to have some sort of. I'm not saying the songs are always great, but try and have some sort of catchy chorus that you think the average person, like you say, Sam, could listen to this and sing along. Absolutely. So yeah. keep it nice and simple, not too over the top with lyrics, mm. and just nice and simple. Yeah. But that was the album. Um, you know, and at some point, I'd love us to put it on. Well, it's still on Spotify. It's still on Amazon now to buy. I think. I think I typed in, and it comes up. Is it? Yeah, against yeah. the wall. So well, buy on Amazon right now. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Good times. Yeah. So, did you uh, then have a tour the back of that album? Yeah. So we were touring the album. Um, great Elaine as well. She was an agent. She she came on board um, and booked us for Am- uh, Amsterdam. Nice. Uh, we did Belgium as well. We did a gig on a boat 
a really small, intimate boat. Health and safety didn't apply out there. It was, it was like a rocking boat. It was like water dripping down on the PA and everything. <laughs> <laughs> it was just... <laughs> the boat that rocked. Oh, right. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't quite sink in that night. But no. No. Oh, <laughs> I thought I we weren't going to have any puns yeah, on this podcast. <laughs> we'll finish it there, I think. Oh, <laughs> right. Right. That's it. Done. <laughs> so no. it was, is that um, that video on YouTube? I think it's... Um, when you're abroad uh, doing Cosmic Dancer, was that? Was that... No, no, funny enough, that's that's later on oh, okay. uh, with this boy, <laughs> which, oh, okay. we'll, which, which we'll come to in a sec. What but, boy? Uh, <laughs> that boy. This boy. It's all coming out now. Not that boy, that boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, great, great times. Again, um, there was loads and loads of, but bearing in mind, I was, what, 19 at the time. There was loads of like girls like screaming at the gigs. It was brilliant. Loved you're life at the them. time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I've never been back to Belgium. Yeah. Well, now we're back. <laughs> oh, it, 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 <laughs> oh, it was it was good times, you know, and uh, just what you want at that age. Yeah. <laughs> this is just great. Imagine, you yeah. dream a rock yeah. star, you're touring. It's perfect. You've got screaming to girls after you. Yes. Sick. So, um, the next step, who joined after that? So... You know, we, we had that lineup for a while. We were doing quite a few gigs. We played some great venues in the UK as well, like the Cavern in Liverpool and the Half Moon in Putney. So we was playing some some iconic places. Um, but same same thing with Dave. He um, he loved being in the band and he was a great great member. Um, but he he, he sat down and said, Ryan, the, where the band's going, um, I can tell the band's gonna develop, but I don't want to be famous. I think he could sense that it was, you know, getting, go, ser- getting serious, getting serious was getting more bookings, and um, he he decided to move on. But before he decided to move on, we had a gig booked for the uh, Mark Bolan uh, pop, the fan club, once a year that they do celebration of Mark Bolan's life. Um, and obviously, with my dad being in Two Rex, he had the connections there, um, and that's when we got you on board to come in as the guitarist. Um, how did that feel for you to sort of come on board and? play that night yeah it was unbelievable um we were saying like, off camera before or, or off audio depending on how you're listening to this um like well I, I think i was 17 when i did that gig so i'm 27 now so i've been involved in the apes in some capacity for the last 10 years which is pretty wild mm. um yeah it was unbelievable i just remember i remember getting the call to do it because the thing is like i said to you i was a fan for a long time before i got involved in any capacity so um you know i was still relatively young prior to getting asked to do that so I was still doing my own bands and stuff, which is how Sam and I know each other from many, from, many moons ago. Yeah, Little Sprogs. And um, yeah, so I, I was always a fan. Like I remember coming to watch you at your first gig. I remember coming to watch you at the Touchline and just being absolutely blown away because it was just spectacular. You know, like to watch people only a couple of years older than you yeah. playing out like this unbelievable original pieces, you know, that you know the words to. I bought the album. I remember when you were still working in, um, it was Dixon's when at the time. Yeah, or Courage Digital, yeah. whatever it was called. Yeah. I mean, my, my dad just used to go in there just to see and talk about the yeah, band and stuff did. and then try and plug me to get involved in some it, capacity. A lot of the time, yeah. Yeah, he's always he said, trying to plug. So you're looking for a guitarist, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd always plug it, which is so thanks, da- thanks you Dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a big part of my success. Yeah. Um, but yeah, cause Bolan, basically, Bowling stuff, obviously, there's two guitars in a lot of parts, isn't there? Yeah. And obviously you had the keys for Dave, which was perfect for mm. for all the sort of synth that the, the late yeah the later T Rex stuff. And you just needed another thing. And um, I got a call, and I can't remember if it was your dad, if it was Lewis Brown, but someone asked how would I feel about coming down to, you know, do a couple of songs and then basically play that gig. And I think we did about 
30 odd songs was it mm. something like that and it I had about a big old night wasn't it? and about two weeks to learn them and like as many rehearsals as possible um, and bearing in mind like I say I was blown away because again the same thing that we said earlier the standard of the band as a fan you know was just a completely different level you know you had management all these big gigs big MySpace pages you know an album mm. tours etc so um, yeah to be able to, to watch all that was absolutely fantastic and the gig itself was was unbelievable like you know to get to work with you guys and your dad and everything and the gig was a phenomenal night I had tie-dyed jeans throw back to the mm. 70s still got them somewhere yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I fit in them now but um, yeah so no it was a fantastic night um, I mean we tried to get a PA down a flight of stairs which was Oh, Steve Shepard's big PA. Yeah, I'll never forget that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, amazing, amazing night. Really was. Oh, it was it was fantastic. Great you know, great experience. And I think I think that was it after that. I don't think I had anything to do with the band for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, because it was one gig that it, was being At the built time up it was to. initially one gig. Um yeah. and then that's when Dave kind of officially left the band. Um and that's when we sort of said to you, Lou, you, you know, would you like to join? And I think you just said yes, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, because it was just so it's so exciting. So what 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 year was that? Say that you officially 20, joined? Uh, 2011, I think it was 2010 or 2011. Around that time, just yeah. left just, just left school. <laughs> well, college, yeah, just yeah. finished. Yeah, we just college. finished college, didn't we? Yeah. yeah. So it was in between that era, kind of thing. Yeah. So and we did loads, didn't we? Loads of rehearsals. We did some TV shows in Ireland, and mm. we did um, like a like a show that was out of Middlesex Uni as well. Yeah. Um, forgot about that yeah played everywhere in London uh, like I say gigged in France which was wild for a 17 year old you know joining a band just being like whoa we're playing in another country this is ridiculous yeah um, so yeah it was an unbelievable experience yeah absolutely and it was good and we obviously were we had a vision um, it was a good lineup. Miss myself you Zach Ballinger Lewis Brown um, and we did the Be My Friend video yeah yeah and Pencat Studios Pencat yeah, Studios and yeah, it was it was good, but I think you got at that point you came to a point where you had to leave the apes. Mm. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Again, it was a weird it was a weird time because again I, at the time I was having like two parallel lives. I was basically in the band, and as we've said before, like we were rehearsing like at least three times a week, gigging each week on top of that. You know, I was going to uni at the time. I didn't drive, so it was sort of like five hours worth of travel every day to and from uni, and it just all got a bit much, you know, and. Yeah. um you know, we, 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 we always worked really hard as a band, but there was sort of like, you know, external factors that were just kind of seeping their way in. And it just, you know, the whole mixture just got too much for me in the end. And I just thought, look, you know, I, I want to, if I had my way, I'd be able to just sort of spend all my time doing the band and nothing else. But, you know, as you get a bit older and you see different career possibilities. Possibilities and, and yeah, things like Yeah, that. just life yeah. gets in the way, doesn't it? So it made it yeah. difficult and, and I made a decision at the time. And it was tough at the time. Yeah, you know, it was, yeah, I know yeah. even you and I were best friends. We we kind of had a mini tough time, didn't we, as friends yeah, at, at the time? Did, yeah, yeah. It was it was tough and I was gutted. I really was gutted and you know. But looking back on it, I understand why you had to leave. Um and then the next step really, when you left as well, bearing in mind Zach Ballinger had been in the band from the beginning. Did I think, Zach leave at the same time or before? I can't yeah, remember. I think I think from Zach's perspective, I think he you know, he he'd experienced a lot of lineups. Mm. Um and he just thought enough's enough. Yeah. Um, and but I, I sometimes and I, and I still love Zach to this day. And obviously he's still involved in the Apes. Mm, he comes in, and we yeah. still want to get him involved. And we but, still gig with him. But I do look back on that sometimes. And don't get me wrong. I know we can make it all glamorous. There were some bad sides to the Apes. There were the odd 
occasions where we, you know, didn't always get on and think like you're getting bad. It happens in every band. Well, but, it's like a relationship, basically, course, isn't it? Course it is. You but, spend so much time with each other as well. And I get that. I made some mistakes along the way. I hold my hands up. But what I will say is, you look back at the first three years when when Zach did leave as an original member. We toured America. You know, we did Amsterdam. You know, we did the album. We did Radio Two as well. And as with Dave, I forgot to mention that. Yeah, Radio Two, yeah. Which, and, and which is a really good. You know, we did stuff on Sky TV, and then we, and then you leave from that. I mean, you look back on it, you think, "Wow, really?" It, we, it we, must what, been, what, what if we gave it another couple yeah. of years at that time? Must have been so sort of almost demoralising in a factor for you yourself to have. You know, you had the American tour, and then you had the European tour, and then and then everything was building up, and then it was another blip, and then you build it up again, and then another blip. That's where I can understand Zach's point of view, and yeah. but I think. I had to keep going because it, but I very nearly did give up because you're right. You're, you're, you're so close to a record deal. You're so close to a big tour in America and someone leaves. Yeah. And then you're constantly, it's six months. You've got to start again. You've got to yeah. start again. Mm. You've got to find the right person. You've got to learn the stuff. And it was, it was always setting, setting us back. Um, but at this point, you know, it was just me and Lewis Brown. Yeah. You know, so it was like, we had a chat. What do we want to do? Um, and then Lewis said, look, I want to continue. Um, you know, we've you know we've got more to give. We still had the management at the end of the day, um, which I just want to say as well. It wasn't just my dad. Towards that point, um, Anne Cannon came on board and did a fantastic job. I mean, she was she did she did loads of stuff. You and, name it, yes. <laughs> and I just want to say, especially if she, if she watches this video, I mean, Anne, you was amazing. I mean, she absolutely was. I mean, she booked us gigs, designed um, posters, designed posters, taught herself web design. She did more than she was supposed to come on and sort of be like an assistant to me dad, but she at some t at some occasions she was almost like the manager. She did so much, but fantastic woman, loved her to bits. But um, she was involved. So we had my dad and Anne on, on board uh, on, in the management side, but uh, we had to get a new lineup. Now Lewis at the time he used to work at Allegro Music, and he had some good friends. Um, he had a guy called James Fox. Um, who's an amazing drummer, good all-round musician. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. He came down for an audition, and he was brilliant. And I auditioned guitarist. We found a guy called Shaw Marcus. He got the job. Um, and then I said to I said to Lewis, because he was always saying that he's always doing gigs with James and a guy called Luke on keyboards. Um, I said, let's get let's get Luke in the band. You know, let's get keyboard. And what I didn't think of at the time though is, although looking back on it, we were a great band. As, as a lineup and as musicians, they're probably one of the best musicians I've ever played with because they were session musicians. That was their job. Mm. Um, but obviously, what I didn't realise is obviously because they were they were so tight. You know, they worked together every day. They were best friends. So I didn't realise that down the line there could have been an opportunity for them to do something else. But um, they they came in and it really did rock. It was a good lineup. Mm. Recorded some brilliant, amazing song. vocals well, and stuff. Oh yeah, oh, harmony wise and things like that. Yeah, it really did take it to the next level. If you think. What we did with the other lineups, with yourself and America and the, the album, this then was like another level from a musicianship point of view. Um, and I really thought, now this is it. This is a band that could go places, and we did great stuff. You know, we did live and unsigned, um, and we got. You know, we did so many rounds. We we went to the Towngate Theatre. We won that. We went to uh, Bedford. We won that. I also won best original song in the competition, and then we got to the um, final, which was held at the O2. I think there were 66 bands that made it to the final, bearing in mind it was across the whole UK, um, and I think we came fourth. 
So wow. we, we did really Didn't well. Then you get a uh, best song. Yeah, the one bit just 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 before then. Yeah, yeah just just before the, the the round before. Yeah, for poor little rich girl. Mm. Um, but on the back of that, we did so many gigs like festivals. Um, we did. Um, we were supporting Razor Light, scouting for girls. Wow. You know, it was starting to really kick off again. Um, and then I suppose like you get with all bands, there were some politics involved. I won't go too in depth with it, yeah. but. But you, you grow know. up as well. You're all growing up together at the yeah. same point, aren't you? You're going from 17-year-old kids almost. All living at home and, you know, to 22, like that, 23, 24-year-old yeah. men. You know, exactly. You're... I think if you put everyone in a room, and if, as long as everyone's being honest, if you spoke to every single band member, you spoke to me, you spoke to my dad, I think we'd all admit that we all made some mistakes. I think my dad included. And equally, you know, we did, we did things for the goodness of the band. And... I, you know, what I think what should have happened with that lineup is we should have probably had a little bit of a break because there was a bit of friction going on, um, and then got the band back. But I'll always remember though, um, because because it was, you know, they joined the band and my dad was the manager and was part of the management team. I think as a team, as a collective, they didn't really want management. I think they wanted to steer it away to a different thing. Whereas I was quite loyal to the project. I was thinking, hang on a minute, all the stuff we did before, you've come on the bandwagon, we're, we're going places, we need to respect the legacy of what we're doing. Um, but anyway, cut a long story short, we, we met up for a band meeting, and this is kind of how the lineup finished. Talk about, you know, a bond between them and, and us, us and them. I went round to, I think it was Luke's flat, and they had a sofa opposite me <laughs> and one chair for me as I went round. Yeah. <laughs> they're all, they're yes. all sitting on... <laughs> I just imagine it. It's like The Apprentice, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, they're they're well, all sitting on the sofa. Yeah. I'm, I'm here and I'm like, right, okay. And it was very much like, you know, to be fair, Luke did turn around and say, you know, we'd like to do something else, like a different band, um, but we'd like you to be involved. But it was very much, I could see what they were saying. They just wanted the ditch management. And I just turned around and said, no. That's the polite way of saying it. And uh, and we went our separate ways. Um, and at that point, you know, I was really deflated, you yeah. know, because that was a big lineup. That was a really good, the apes could have gone places. And technically, they were then going to form another band. I don't know if they're still going now. They, they were doing it for a little while. They were going to do a band and I didn't have a band now. It was like, you know, I, I still had the, the name, the Peppermint Apes, because, mm. you know, I copyrighted it. Yeah. Still had the management company there, but. At the end of the day, I had no band members. So mm. for a while, um, you know, I decided to sort of call it quits. I never officially said the apes was over, but I had no motivation. No, because mm. I suppose you, you, you've been knocked back, knocked back, knocked back so many times. You probably just, tough. at that point, you just probably think to yourself, oh, I just need, yeah. I need to re- regain what, I, what this is. Yeah, I suppose at that point, you know, when I was taking a bit of a break from it, I think that's when you two were doing a lot of musical projects. So at that point, Ryan, 
So you weren't really sure if he was going to continue with the apes, um, completely and utterly demoralised with everything that had happened. So, I mean, Lewis, what was you doing at that point? Um, yeah, so again, I was having that sort of point in my life where most guitar players and musicians do, where you sort of discover what you like and what you want to play. And I sort of, I absolutely loved doing everything sort of pop and pop rock related, but I sort of went to that proper alternative rock, almost heavy metal side of things. and just wanted to be creative and almost progressive. And um, me and my cousin Ross were writing a lot of stuff together. And um, Shannon, who was the previous singer in Ryan's band, uh, in Covalent when you were sort of growing up, um, she'd been in touch with Ross. I think it might have been through you, actually. Yeah. Put him in touch. I was talking to Shannon, and she was she was moving back. Was it from Brighton or somewhere? I yeah, can't, somewhere I can't coastal. And she, she said, you know, I'd love to get involved in a, a band. And I know you was jamming with Ross and sort of hooked you guys up and the rest they say is geography. Yeah. <laughs> and it was really cool because I remember that we met, we literally oh, met. God. Yeah. God. We, we, um, yeah, we, we met in a pub literally just up the road from where Ross lived and we literally all went back to his, started jamming and we literally wrote a song then and there and we just knew something clicked. And you was involved in that as well, weren't you, Sam? Yeah. Um, you got the call. Well, yeah. I, I was At the time, I was playing like a, a metal band called Experience the Fall and that was my, my, my best friend that at the like time. such a metal band. Mate. It is, absolutely. My, my, my best friend then, uh, Dan, we he we was playing in the band together. He was uh, he jumped on the bass and I went on the drums. But um, yeah, I was playing in that band and nothing was really progressing. Yeah. So I kind of started becoming a bit demoralised as well. I was starting to play drums less. Then. And then I got a phone call from Ross just saying, "Look, um, Shannon, Lewis, and myself, we're going to be forming a band. It's going to be a bit bit out there, a bit funky, you know. Do you fancy come along?" So literally, I think I went round to Shannon's house with my electric drum kit plopped in the in the living room floor and Lewis and Ross were on acoustic guitars and we just literally they said right here's a song and I think the first one we played was Tantrum yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. which was an old Covalence song I think and uh, Shannon knew the words and, it just, and I made up a drum beat and bang off we went Yeah, and that was it it just gelled didn't it it was this really special band I'm really proud of what we achieved in absolutely that band. yeah like, uh, like we literally would get together at Sam's studio when he was still at home uh, like your parents, and, and we would literally have a song every week off mm. every rehearsal. Just writing all the time, mm. constantly writing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, when we did eventually rehearse at Bazin Studios, we wrote the song Butterfly in 20 minutes. Someone, someone came in to watch us play. It was like an agent or something, and we were so buzzed, we wrote the song in 20 minutes, yeah, yeah, and yep. a full song. That was a good when tune. It. it was brilliant. He was a good band. He was a good band. I liked we, we you guys. We weren't polished. We were still you know. raw and rough, but I think we had something. If you look at... We were only banned for about two years, but if you look at the, the 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 breadth of the stuff that we did in that time, we went from the more funky rock stuff, like the covalent influence stuff, to like more standard rock. Then we sort of went to almost like progressive parts, not like progressive metal, but just mm. odd time signatures. Yeah. Mm. You know, like we we like it was quite kind of quite a. I don't know why I'm doing this with my hands, but <laughs> like a duck, <laughs> uh, a seal, it's like a butterfly. Yeah. <laughs> hey. yeah. Um, but yeah, like we just we just really clicked as but people. We'd, we'd have like an alternative chorus, and it just going to like a jazzy verse, yeah, you know. Yeah. It just, and we was able to pull it off. It was really and Shannon's vocal range was incredible. Mm. She could just sing anything, and it was just brilliant. It's such a good. I band. think it's very rare to work with two singers that have an ability like you and Shannon to be able to hear something and write something mm. brilliant. You know, yeah. it's a real talent to have that. Just I think I wrote to... the the Warrior. I think it was. Yeah, was um, like Shannon's a... went. I've got a thing in my head. Lewis just. And Ross just put it on guitar, and that yeah. was it. I learned a lot from Shannon, um, and just the natural melody she had. And if there's one thing people say about my songwriting is that you know my songs might not always be great, or they might not be sophisticated, but I usually try and work on good melody. Mm. 
But Shannon's got this ability where you can just play a few chords and she's got great lyrics. Oh, she has a book. Um, she's got a book, book. full of lyrics. I just, to this day, I do not know how she does it. She's, yeah. But we're, we're pretty strange things. We, we went into the studio over in Chance where we've done our all-day mm. rehearsal over at Card Trick and um, we recorded in two days a, a little five-track EP, the Tantrum EP. And yeah, it, it was really good for, for, what, for what it was. It was really, really good. And uh, it got us uh, a tour with our friend, me and Lewis, our mate Joe Williams, who we went to school with. He was playing bass in the man called Johnny Get the Gun. And they heard the EP and said, look, we're going to be doing a two-week tour. Do you want to come on it for a week? Mm. I was like, absolutely. So where, where we went to Leeds, didn't Oxford, we? Oxford, London. And Leeds, yeah. Leeds, Oxford and London we went to. And so we basically north down to south. Yeah. It was only, only three gigs, but it was absolutely a amazing. great venue. O2 Academies, the proper ones in Oxford. Mm. Mm. I remember seeing the vlog diaries you did. It was really Yeah, brilliant. it was just wild because it was we were so young and we were just like all, all together in a van and, you know, it was like the I sort mean, of I kids mean, rock yeah. and roll dream. I, mean, was... I remember watching it thinking, oh, I miss all this. Yeah. Because yeah. that <laughs> was absolutely brilliant. You'd, you'd done it in the eighth by the time, yeah. like, you know, At by the time point, I, joined, I wasn't doing anything. Yeah. What happened in the end, um, after that tour, the buzz kind of dropped a little bit. And what is Shannon runs a dance studio called Youth Creation, and they are phenomenal. Yeah, amazing. She's done and, incredibly uh, yeah, well, so hasn't she? But it needed her time, and it needed all her concentration. They ain't they the Britain's Got Talent. They got to, like, the semi-finals or something. Yeah, they did amazing, yeah. They done brilliantly. So it needed her concentration, so she couldn't commit to the band that much. Yeah. Um. So I think her last gig, we played in Brighton. So oh, yeah, pretty strange yeah, yeah. things kind of fizzled out, did it slightly, would you say? Yeah, so, yeah, we we done our last gig in Brighton and then uh, we got a new singer in, but it just didn't work out after that. We kind of clashed yeah. a lot. Wasn't much buzz in the band, so we kind of just went our separate ways. And, um, and then after that, uh, I, we we kind of... Havana Sun didn't come about as a planned band. Um, I was uh, running a little studio and my friend Tommy, who I played in the band with previously, he, um, he came in to record his EP with me, done five tracks. And um, he he said, oh, I've got a mate who wants to do some recording. He's a rapper. I was like, oh, okay. And um, so I got in touch with him. His name's Glenn. Mm. Lovely bloke. Really, really nice bloke. He came round and he'd done a couple of songs with me. And then I said, oh, do you know Tommy then really well? He went, yeah, I went to score Tommy. I'm like, oh, yeah. Great lad. So Tommy came round. I think he came round while he was recording, actually, just right. on the off chance to see how uh, his mixes were coming on. And, um, and we said, should we try something out? So we just... Jam. At the time, Ed Sheeran was massive. He yeah. was, although he's big now, he was humongous. He just brought out his first album, and he was absolutely humongous. And he was doing all the loop pedal stuff, rapping, acoustic, and that's kind of what we done. Uh, Glenn was an amazing rapper, and Tommy's a phenomenal singer, and and he plays guitar as well. And so we was we started off, and then we just started getting loads of gigs. We we started going um, up London for gigs. We auditioned for Britain's Got Talent as well. We managed to get in front of Simon, Amanda, and all that kind of stuff on the stage. Didn't get through, but. You know the audience loved us. We we uh, but they called us buskers, and that's what we did look like because I was playing on the cajon. You played it acoustic, like, exactly. We could have done with a full band. Uh, so from then we got Lewis in. So I uh, I ran up Lewis and Lou, look, we want another guitarist in the band. And then I phoned my mate Dan. I said, Dan, do you want to do some bass? 
on it. And he said, yeah, absolutely. So then we all become a five-piece band. Cut a long story short, we recorded the music video, recorded um, five songs, released them every single day, got really good feedback from that, didn't we, yeah, as well? Yeah, Because it was so in, wasn't it? At the yeah, time, absolutely. The singing, the rapping. Yeah, absolutely. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I generally thought you guys were going to get signed. Well, this was a thing. Yeah. We were, I think we, we was in near talks with actually some, some agents and things like that. And uh, Tommy went on uh, Deal or No Deal. Yeah, uh, I remember. And he wrote a song for the, the show, actually, as well, and it was really good. But he won £45,000 on Deal or No Deal. Mm. And I think he met his uh, girlfriend at the time. He met her yeah. on the show. She won some money. Yeah. And they decided to move in together. But mm. she lived in Wales. So he moved to Wales. And so that was the end of the band. It would be a long commute to come and do some practice. But it was all left in good terms. We done our final show at the Castle Main, um, which night. was amazing. We also got. Um, Martin Lewis's friend Tamari uh, goes by Hazard City. Mm. Very, very talented rapper and musician. He's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, uh, he came down and he he jumped on and it was a, and we got a bloke called Philippic Beatbox as well. Oh yeah, he, yeah. He, the noises he can make of his mouth. You know, I can do a, a little beat, but he does everything. And um, what's his name? Philippic Beatbox. And what does he specialise in? He's speaks- <laughs> 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 a poet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he is a poet though. He does Slam like poems. Poet. He, yeah, does, yeah. he does actually write poems as well. Anyway, so we finished finished that and. Um, and then I think that's when uh, when I got the call, really. So uh, for the apes. Sounds like the apes were forming back again. It was. I mean, I. You know, I feel like I'm partially responsible. <laughs> kinda, yeah. Uh, we, yeah, I'll let <laughs> did you say it. Take him on, did you? Well, no, no. I had. A I'll u- let you say it, Lou. To be fair, you know this. Yeah, go for it. I, I had a uni project. Yeah. And um, I needed a f- good band. <laughs> um, <laughs> a few moments later. Yeah, like I say, I'm partially responsible, I think, because, um, yeah. yeah, I had I had a big uni project. So I think this was coming up to like the end of my second or third year, you know, like when all your exams are and stuff. And mm. ours were practical. And we had a gig lined up to be performed at the Colchester, Inst- uh, the Colchester Arts Centre, sorry. Mm. That's a mouthful. The Colchester Arts Centre. Which, which is was, a great a, venue. A, amazing venue. Yeah. Like we'd see, like if you're into metal and different bands, like we'd seen architects there, like, you know, mm. big, famous signed yeah. acts. But the chance to play on there, and I remember they had like, uh, we had our own sound desk for the band on stage. So you had a, an en- sound engineer out front who did the and you had your monitor for the monitors. And then you had a yeah. monitor in- engineer. Yeah, oh, it, was, it, was insane, it was amazing. It? Great rehearsals as well we had just before the gig. I remember them. Remember they've got the phone call. We said, oh, do you want to just come around to the studio? And we just jammed yeah. a load yeah. of covers, wasn't it really? Like, I think one of them was waiting on the world to change. That's where we yeah. started using yeah, the backing tracks, yeah. wasn't it? And yeah. we started doing more covers then as well because we yeah. were doing a lot of originals before as the apes kind of thing. And it got a buzz, didn't it? Because we were like, look, we've got a good gig. I've got a gig for us here lined up. A great venue. Mm. But we're all fantastic musicians. I need to sound bloody good. Yeah. <laughs> so, and you're free. So, but, yeah, so it just sort of made, made, made sense. sense. Yeah, yeah we just really enjoyed each other's company, didn't we? And that's where we mm. met the man we, in the myth, the legend, Tom Bissell. Yeah, but we played the gig, though, didn't we, at the Colchester Arts Centre? And uh, that went down an absolute storm. Absolute brilliant it was, wasn't it? Like you said, Louis, just the buzz returned for all mm. of us, I think. We was just up for this. And 
me personally, I've always wanted to be in the apes as well. When I used to watch them back at the ball back in the day, I was like, I need some of this one day. And because I'd never been in the band, I'd never been in the band where all the members not could sing but harmonize and listen to each other mm. and have discipline when playing live. I mean, I've hosted gig nights where drummers just have no discipline, yeah. just smash, crash, wallop, and then people stare, Oh, change, turn the vocals up. What do you want me to do? It's maxed out, it's going to feed back in a minute. And Whereas the Apes had the discipline. I think Cole was yeah. a good, good a stickler for the discipline there, which yeah. is brilliant. I've never, never heard such yeah. a good live band before, so I've always wanted to be in the Apes in that day, yeah. So now was the opportunity. Yeah, Absolutely. and we, we had Dan Cambridge on bass, didn't we? Yeah. He was also in Havana Sun as well. Because at the time, I mean, we weren't sure if we were going to make it the Apes, if it was going to be a different thing. Mm. Um, Dan was obviously doing the rehearsals and did the gig for your, your uni project, um, but I think he wasn't. Re- he was happy to do rehearsals and help us out, but he wasn't ready to commit to a proper band. So mm. he was kind of like an interim bass player for us. Yeah, and I think he he joined a, uh, again. He, he kind of really enjoyed playing bass, but he joined a band. Um, I cannot remember the name for the life of me now. I do apologise if you listen to this, Dan, because they were a very good pop rock band, mm. very very good. Um, and so they did joined, a good video as well. Done videos. Yeah. They went on tour. They done. I think they done an album as well. They they done very very well. So Dan again, he had to concentrate on that. So he, he could. But we was a three piece for a while before that. After the, that gig at the art center, it was just you, mm. Lewis, uh, yourself, and me. Really, and I, and I think we, we we gelled, and I think we realized that there was always a chemistry, and obviously you being part of the Apes before, and we wanted to bring some of the originals back, and. Mm. My dad wanted to get back involved in the project, so it just made sense to be the Peppermint Apes. It brought the buzz back, did it? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, it felt right. It felt like as soon yeah. as we did that first rehearsal and gig, I just was like, right, yeah, I'm home. You but know then that, I mean? that, like what you just said a minute ago, Lou, that's where we met Mr. Bissell, um, our very, very, very good friend, Mr. Tom Bissell, mm. and uh, he was happily coming along to our gigs, wasn't he? I mean, I think, what was the first gig we'd done the ball, wasn't it? And your dad was on bass. Yeah. I think it was. So he was helping on bass. Yeah. You know, he's done quite a few depth gigs for us. Oh, as well. And, as a, and then a bit of uh, claim to fame for us, wasn't it? We've done the, the gun outside and Scott from five jumped up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. keep on moving with us. Oh, yeah. oh, and that mate. was a personal highlight. That is. Exactly. And I always remember that because Dave came back and played keys, didn't he? Yeah. For, the, for the for the gigs and stuff. And... But then but then Tom took photos. He'd done videos. He took, and this is the thing with Tom. He really puts his heart and soul into it. He yeah. doesn't just he's take amazing, photos yeah. and get on with jollying out the night. He's there for the night mm. doing what he he wants to do he's an absolute legend and i you know i really see him as a big part of the apes you know i see him as a peppermint ape and you know it's not just band members it's it's a big team and i always say anyone that listens to this podcast if you're a band if a little bit of plug for tom now you know if you if you're gonna get married or whatever search pop photos you know he is really he's a nice guy you know and i always would recommend him yeah, but he puts 110 percent into everything he yeah, does he's fantastic. what you really want yeah, and know, he's and he's filmed and recorded and took photos of pretty much every mm. gig we've done for so many years. I mean, mm. we've got so much footage, thanks to Tom, you know, like things that you can look back on in so many mm. years. Great archives, isn't it? You <laughs> it's know, incredible. Basically, Stuff that we can bring on YouTube. Yeah. We love you, Tom. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just confessed our love for you. Yeah. yeah. So sort of, you know, you've got the buzz back, you, you, you're moving forward again. Um, but, you know, it was that era, I suppose, when YouTube was becoming more famous than it was people were noticing a lot more so you decided to sort of take a different direction i suppose with doing the youtube covers yeah i think we have to look at you for this one sam it, oh. you kind of influenced this side well, of the band well, well it was i mean i used to, I used well, to sit at home turn up and sing it yeah, but I, used to, I used to just watch youtube videos constantly um and i used to watch a drummer called cobus and he was probably the first drummer 
on YouTube to do a professional production on a drum kit and with multi-camera angles, things like that. So I've got to like thank him for the inspiration, really. And then you watch all these other uh, musicians and bands all getting together and just recording the cover, professional studio quality, releasing on YouTube, and they're getting thousands of views. And I think we need to get on in, in on this, basically. So I, I would literally go home and I'd, I'd type in upcoming singles and things like that, um, the songs and future releases. And I found a website that would give us the information on which songs are coming out. And that's where we first done, um, I think it was Katy Perry, Unconditional. At the time, she just released um, Raw, I think it was yeah. on that album which we was too late to record. Uh, we, we, if we had done it, we would have got minimal views. Um, so the next single that came out was Unconditional, and we worked out a rocky way to do it, didn't we, really? We did it like a three-piece, basically, didn't we? We did do it as a three-piece. But then I, I think <coughs> you done bass, yeah. uh, Ryan done bass, um, Lewis, well, Lewis was yeah. jumping on guitar and uh, doing vocals, and I, I just done drums as I normally do, and I mixed it and things like that. And then we got Bissell in uh, to come and record it, so this Tom had not done videography before, I don't think. No. Before this, he was always just a photographer, so he was quite new to it. But I showed him some videos on camera angles, camera techniques, and things. not that I'm an expert, but I just see what I see and pass it on. And um, unfortunately, Unconditional didn't do so well with the view front. Um, it wasn't I, think, a great I think to this day, yeah, it, it, it wasn't mm. a great song when you look back at it now. So the next it one got was, started though, didn't it? Exactly, yeah. and the next one was Ollie Murs. He done Hand on Heart, but then just before that, he brought out like Dear Darling. He mm. brought out um, yeah, the one, the one where he's dancing on the bridge. I can't remember what it's called now. Yeah, um, but you know what I mean. And so he brought out Hand on Heart, and we done that um, again. It was just us three. Got Tom in. I think I think it was actually we recorded it at the same time as Unconditional because we're all wearing the same clothes. Oh yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I think we all recorded it at the same yeah, time. I, think, I, I just think, put a jacket on over yeah. the top. I was like, boom. I, I was wearing yeah, a, pro, I was wearing a North Lane top, which is a you know yeah. a death metal, not a death metal, a heavy metal band yeah. on a pop video. I think we filmed two in one go, didn't we? We did that film was, two in one yeah. go, and we put them out, and yeah, they done all right, but not as well as when we done Adore You. Uh, I think that was the first one, yeah. really. We should first prob- one that took off, wasn't it? Really? Well, we should probably mention there between doing Adore You. Um, well, no, actually, no. Tell a lie. I got that wrong. I was thinking of the great, the Grandmaster Sam Edmonds. Yeah. So just after Adore You, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it, was, was. it was. You played bass on that, didn't you? Yeah. So we again, us three were. We done a few gigs, and then Miley Cyrus had just released her album with Wrecking Ball, and we can't stop. And that's where the old controversial twerk started and things like that. So she was in the media. She was mm. up there in the news. So, I, I again, I went on Google, typed in upcoming song, and I saw Adore You, and I thought, hang on, this one, I think it's going to get good attention. This one will get good attention. It was already out, and it already had, it only had about 2,000 views. Though. It had only been out for about a day, if that's So I said, right, lads, this is the song. We've got to do it. I've got an idea. And I didn't record drums for it. I'd done um, program drums. So it was like an 808 kit, things like that. And it was a very, very simple song, wasn't it? It's just a few chords, you know? So we went into the studio and record, I recorded the bass. And then I think Ryan, the funny thing was, Ryan didn't have a clue what the words were. So, so it, I'm sitting at the computer. That's just it's, like every song for me, isn't well, it? Well, we got, we got, we got Lewis's um, bits done and they're very simple. And then... Because the, the actual song has no guitar. No, so we had so to write something. we just we had, had to write, write parts in the studio but, then and there on the day. But on, on, the, on the vocal day, it was so funny. So Ryan's standing behind me and I'm at the PC and I've got the lyrics up on screen and we literally recorded one line at a time. It's going, right, Ryan, it's baby. And he goes, baby, stop. Right, listen back. Yeah, 
record and he yeah. literally just done one line at a time and in the end he knows the words now thankfully because it's been six years since we released it but, <laughs> but uh, six years to revise them but, but then then we had to think of the video and we thought right it's could it's quite a laid-back song let's just do something really simple you know just us three sitting on a chair and i tried to come up with this idea of me and lewis working in time lapse speed while ryan was playing guitar in normal speed but so we had to like speed the song up and then me and Lewis were running around really quickly in the background. But it didn't come out as well. It just looks like I right. was walking normal speed. But then <laughs> it I looked weirdly at, worked. Something. It weird, but I looked at outtake videos over then. There's one where I um <laughs> I walked into the mic stand. <laughs> and I just walked past the camera. You see a crash, bash, ah, sh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that was the funny outtakes. But um, we have to upload that, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, but again, so we got Tommy, and I said, right, Tom. There's a few videos that I've seen, mate, where um they've got a camera angle looking down the line of the band. And then, so what I thought is get Lewis to, on the chorus, he'll start singing and then just start zoom, um, focusing onto Ryan, then back onto me in the in the background. And we use that quite a lot in that video and it was really effective. Really, it's a really, really good effective. video. Yeah. Um, and it was really, and then Ryan edited it, put a little filter over it as well. Mm. We all wore, like, I think it was white tops, just kept it really simple. Yeah. Um, and it was so effective. And I think it, to We're just sitting on some chairs, aren't we, just playing? Yeah, exactly. And I think it's got 33,000 views yeah. now. Um, at the time, when it first got, I think we was getting, you know, 100, 200 views a day on it, weren't we? It I remember just checking really my phone well. every day. Yeah, well. new, new comments on it. It was brilliant. Got so much buzz from it. management again didn't yes. he rather than a player yeah definitely so and yeah again he had contacts and ideas and wanted to bring the aches back to its glory and obviously we were helping with the promo from the youtube front so we started auditioning yeah um, that, that, i remember that conversation actually sorry to butt in as um yeah. we were still sitting around your dad's dining room table yeah. and was like we, we need the basis lads yeah. and i remember the words i said well i'm not asked and your dad went well you better be asked because we need a basis and i was like <laughs> Okay, right. And he meant that as well. And, he did, and, he did. <laughs> and I'll never forget that because it kicked my ass in gear. And I thought, right, we need to sort someone out. And then we was throwing names out. We thought, um, who went to college with Deck Porter? Oh yeah, great bass. Brilliant, player. brilliant bassist, but um, could never get hold of him. I don't think alive. But he was on the end of the mm. phone and things. I, I tell a lie. I didn't I know he played in pretty strange things for a bit, didn't he? On our first gig, yeah. Yeah, but so in in uh, the Apes, we then then Sam Edwards' name popped up, and but then I think Lucy, but he's a guitarist. I said. He's a multi-talented musician, mate. He's one of them ones who can pick anything up and play it. Um, so I gave him a call. And I th- did he come that evening? Yeah. Sam, can you get around now? He, he came, went, came down, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He went, yeah, go on. And he came around. And um, I think he, uh, we had a few other bases. There was a, la- a lad called Lewis. 
another Lewis who recorded Havana, Havana Sun's video. He played bass. He came round. Um, I just don't think it worked out with him. He was going off to uni to do something yeah, with his life. With you know, I'm not hanging around with his sad sacks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we got Sam round, and uh, yeah, I think it, from then it was uh, it worked with him, didn't it? Yeah. And then the first thing we did with Sam was do it. We did a video, little black dress, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. That's um, great. Again, it was uh, One Direction just released. That's what makes you beautiful. Um, they're their their biggest singles and things like that. And then. I went on Google, saw that was going to be their next upcoming single, and we thought, right, let's get on that. But then Sam put a nice little spin on it with the bass, didn't mm. they? I think Sam needs a lot of credit as well because I remember when he came in, the first song we did together was Dance Floor. Yeah. And not Dance only, hero, not only yeah. did the first bass note and all the rest of us gel, but he started, he was harmonising. Yeah. He was singing the harmony lines. Oh, all, yeah. all of a sudden, yeah. I think that's what the band's done really well over the years. And especially with us now, like, you know, you look over the years, it's always reinvented itself. It's never done the same thing. If yeah. you look at the first album, um, you know, it's that sort of era of the time, that retro modern pop sort pop of, indie. Yeah. You've got the stuff for me, which is a bit more rocky. You've got that sort of synth pop stuff with Luke and and Lewis and everyone. Um, <clears throat> and then you know, and then at this point, you kind of mm. you you you've added something different that we didn't have before. A little bit of punk pop as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And also, Sam's root instrument is piano. That was yeah. his first instrument. He used to play it at school. Um, Lewis, Sam and myself used to go into the music rooms at lunchtime and just go and jam together, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. And we used to do blues club after school and all that. But anyway, yeah. uh, so Sam had a knowledge of keyboard and he, I think he put some really cool little synth over the top of a uh, little black dress, which sounded really good as well, didn't it? And he added to the band. He was a big, big addi- oh, addition absolutely. to the band. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, we were writing songs and, you know, we were doing some great gigs, weren't we? Again, mm. at the Ball, which was yeah. always kind of our iconic local that we played. So many, you know, the Ball in general, different lineups over the years as well. That was always kind of like the, the gig that I, I looked forward to playing. Same, yeah. We always yeah. packed it out. Yeah, and... that was such a great little venue for us. Oh, so it? sad that it's gone. It is a yeah. shame it's gone. Well, we... what, didn't we play uh, the inside of the, uh, the gun pub in their main function suite with Fire at Dawn? Yes, and that, that was Sam Edwards' first gig. That was us. his first gig, wasn't it? And he had um, to learn like two and a half hours set in like he, two yeah. weeks. But yeah. that was packed out, that gig, wasn't it? And you would yeah. not know that was Sam's first gig. He was so no. confident. And his dad, his dad, his dad's brilliant. I love Mike. He's an amazing bloke. He comes to all of Sam's gigs and he's Sam's biggest critic as well. He'll, he will tell Sam, right, you need to do this, you need to do that. And Sam listens, takes it on board and it makes him a better player. Mm. Like, it's really good. And he's brilliant. Yeah, exactly. And one good thing I'll say about Sam as well is Everyone's good vocalists in the band, but he's probably one of the best backing vocalists I've ever heard. And even he, lead vocals. He was as never well, a singer. You know? He was. Ne- he used to always. He never wanted to sing, did he? In college, no. um, he just did better at home, didn't he? On his own, like in his little yeah, studio. Absolutely, that he made. yeah, yeah. He had a brilliant little little bedroom studio, and it was amazing. And I used to go around there all the time, mm. and we used to jam all the time, record demos. But he only really came out of his shell. With the singing, I think when he joined the Apes, yeah. and I think he had Cole and you behind him. Doing all the tra- yeah, my dad was always yeah. training us for vocals. Absolutely. And then, like I say, things were going well, doing some good gigs, and things were well in the up. And then it kind of, well, Sam, I let you kind of explain. I think you kind of sort of lost your heart in it a little bit, didn't you? At that point. Yeah. Well, I think after the 
breakup of Havana's son, I kind of lost faith of being in the band, you know, yeah. um, because of the way Havana's son ended. Not that it was a bad way, it's just that we was doing so well and then it just Such all, a crash down, it just it? crashed, yeah. And Tommy and Glenn, I, I was so close to them and we were just such a good band um, and it just all crashed out. And then at the same time as well, I was training for the police um, and I was changing a job. I think I, I was I was moving over to work at Rayleigh Hi-Fi. Lewis um, recommended me a job there. Um, and yeah, while I was at training at the police, and I was also, I was moving house. I was moving into my own place as well. So a lot was on top of me and I just couldn't commit. And, and it was a big demand for the eight. Exactly, like, like Lewis said earlier on, the band was rehearsing three times a week. Um, I just I just couldn't commit to that. So I just said to the lads, look, and don't get me wrong, they helped me out. They said, okay, well, we'll try two times a week. But even then, I just, I just, I really struggled just to commit to it because um, it was like late, late finishes. I was getting up early for work, things yeah. like that. And you have a long-term partner as well, weren't you? You're exactly. Wife. Exactly. And you, you, family comes first in yeah, the day yeah. and, and we all understand that. So but I, I just couldn't commit that much. So I just said to Ryan, look, I, I've got to call it a day now. Um, and you know what? Looking back at it now, that was the biggest regret i ever done i think was leaving the band because i always wanted to be in the apes but at the time it felt right it well, just it felt right, right you, time. No. and i remember the last gig we'd done it at the and gun. that was at the gun wasn't it we got rained off the main outside stage we had to play underneath like caged animals weren't we behind yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah, bars. the great, yeah. videos on youtube of it and, <laughs> and um i had the face like a smacked ass because <laughs> i was upset that i was leaving yeah and my dad i think sat, uh, sat he did you down sit, afterwards he, he, he did absolutely what did he sort of say to you can you sort of remember don't be a idiot Sam you're throwing your life away <laughs> more or less, a bit more professional than that uh, he, he basically just what said are you to doing me, he just said to me you got to think really hard about this mate like this band is going to be the best band you ever play in and he is right it's been the best band I've ever played in um, but I just said uh, at the time I was just like Carl I can't do it I can't do it I've, I've got, to, got to call it a day really and that was that really um, when I left the band it wasn't on bad terms no. either so no. I had nothing against anybody no animosity yeah it no. was literally just I, I i had to do it for myself mm. um and that was back in i think 2013 nothing or late around, 2013 around that time yeah. yeah and it was again sad seeing you go um you know but eventually when you did sort of leave at that time you know me you and sam we were still quite motivated weren't we lou oh, we, yeah. we were like you know yeah. we want to do this. we got to a good stage again didn't we like we, we've said there's a lot of rebuilding aspects so we finally sort of rebuilt to a standard that was good again. Mm. And although losing sound was a massive blow, we still felt that we could... We you got to move on. you got to move well, we on. We just mm. felt yeah. we had something to offer still. Mm. You well, know? the project, the brand of the, of the apes continues. And at that point, we were thinking, right, what do we do? We were auditioning drummers. Um, you know, mm. I think we even spoke to Zach, but I think he wasn't available. I think he was, you know, busy. Um, but the main person... Well, we got. I got a call from Josh because I think I put a... An advertisement on join my band um and oh, I, I, have, join my I, band. I turned up one of them glasses and a nose hello yeah. <laughs> 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 but we we had a call and yeah it was josh and he said hi ryan it's josh smith here i, I, I used to play in a band called cuda bucks we supported you at the touchline i was like oh, yeah brilliant um i'd love to come for an audition and we i think we were auditioning other drummers as well um but josh came in um, we had a few songs already that we'd wrote, like for example, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which was perfect for Josh, wasn't it? Because yeah. it was that kind of ballsy, rocky song. Which is Josh is a rocker, isn't he? Yeah. He's oh, a, absolutely. He's, he's, he's a, a rock rocker. Drummer. He's a complete rocker. <laughs> he, he is Taylor Hawkins. Yeah, I think Foo yeah. Fighters drummer, and so. and he's a great guitarist as well. I think he could easily be a lead guitarist he's in a the fantastic as well. Lead guitar player, he's just an all-round brilliant musician, and really. yeah, and great singer, yeah, great songwriter. 
He's in no end to it. He's, got he's, one, he's, he's well. a one-man band. <laughs> yeah, I know. But he came in with his dad as well, Cole, Cole Smith. And, you know, my dad and Cole, double Coles, we like to call them. Um, they Colgate Max. Colgate Max. Colgate Max yeah. They used to be in a band together years ago called Pope, nearly got signed. And that's another story for another podcast if we ever get my dad on there. But, um, yeah, it was a good day. And we had a, you know, we did the rehearsal, didn't we? And I think he was shocked. I think he was blown away of what we're like. Oh, man. And we were blown away as well. And he kind of, we said, we'll get back to you. And he, he was driving. <laughs> we let him get out five minutes we, down we, the we, road. We in sat the in the car. kitchen, didn't we? And we gave him a call after 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. said, hi, Josh. said, hi, I'm still in the car at the moment. I said, you're in the band, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, what? <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't. So, uh, well, I have to turn that yeah, down, I'll have boys. to think yeah. about it. Nothing I've got about... other commitments. I'll just beat yeah. my PA. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, he was in the band, and and then the, we just we just started gigging, and I think it all picked up again with yeah, that line. It did. You recorded new, you actually recorded new songs. Yeah. Well, we started songs. doing original. That was our main focus. Mm. It weren't really covers. It was all. It was all. We did some covers for some of the pub gigs, but yeah. pretty much all originals. We did. I don't know. Uh, we re-recorded nothing at all. We had some other songs that we were yeah, the, working on that we didn't uh, record. Over now, which is an absolutely fantastic mm. song. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to feel. I guess it's finally over. Two long years from drowning all those tears, enjoying all that pain, and now I'm finally I remember writing that because I had the idea it was in the sort of studio um, I sort of had it two years prior but I yeah. re- realised for that lineup it would work and obviously you guys put your stamp on it as well didn't you and put your little parts to it and my dad helped produce it and yeah we recorded it um, and then we did some stuff for YouTube and there was a buzz again and we were getting bookings and I think the plan then was like okay let's, let's be that band again and, and push it and yeah, it was it was good, and Cole as well came on board. Colin Smith to help with managing the band, and it was great. It was all looking good. Um, but again, I think at that point, I think everyone had different plans. I think Josh um, at the time was, you know, I think he just found out his his girlfriend was pregnant. Not that stopped him leaving the band or anything, but it does obviously make you think yeah. of your time. Everyone else was busy with their lives. I think we had a few politics. At the at the time as well, and I think we almost called it a day at one point, didn't we? Yeah, because I think at that point again, we were, at that point we were all pretty much young young men. Do you know what I mean? We we weren't seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. We're like getting on twenty four, twenty five at this point. So you sort of at a point where you know you want to thrash your life out, don't you? You want to get things a certain way, and. um yeah, I think we were still going full steam ahead, weren't we? Multiple really? gigs and rehearsals. We really, we, I we think, we, I think it, we gave it, it everything. All came we, back. I think we gave it everything. I really, we I, did, and we were ready to give it another push. Before we, you know, concluded that lineup at that point, 
obviously we did the YouTube video as well, Love Me Like You Do. Oh, and yeah. Sam, we got you inv involved to help with the mixing. You did a fantastic yeah. job. Mm. Oh, it was good fun, that one. Um, and to this day, that's probably been the, I think it's been the most successful 100, video. 160,000 views, I think it's I think got. it's been 500. And, no, 600, oh, is it really? Something like that. Yeah, it's, it's done really yeah, it's well. Over, it's over half a million. And that's, <laughs> and that's, and that's More than half us. a million people have watched it. Yeah, <laughs> but that, that was actually, because uh, you, you guys recorded the instruments uh, in uh, your dad's studio, sent me all the stems, and I recorded it in my, my studio here. And um, I had Sam Edwards come around, we mixed it together, mm. pushed my laptop to its absolute limits of its RAM, <laughs> and, uh, and came out of what it got. So another thing as well, we we had the pleasure. Obviously, it was a very sad story, wasn't it? Obviously, with Reese Hawley. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the story of that. Story, Chris, yeah, yeah. But you know, he was only 21 years of age. Sadly, passed away from a brain tumor. Um, but the story it's same same year in school as Josh, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. And the story behind that really is, yeah, you know, he found out he had a tumor and um, he needed a special. Drug, which I think was what's it called, Aviston or Aviston, yeah, something yeah. like that, and it was only in America, I think. Yeah, yeah, so he needed to raise. Uh, it was thousands a day to, you know, accommodate the drug. So we put on a, a benefit gig, and we helped create a bit of a buzz for for Reese. And I think on the back of that, he got on. Was it this morning and things like yeah. that? Yeah, he did. Yeah, um, and got loads of endorsements. And it was our pleasure to do a big gig for him. And that was a special moment for that lineup. Yeah, it was great. but it was it was great, and we were really going places. Um, but we had a phase, didn't we? Where you know, like every lineup, you have some politics and this that, and the other, like I was saying. But I loved every minute of that lineup. But mm. I think we had a phase where it was kind of sort of phasing out for a little while. Mm. Um, can you sort of remember what sort of happened there? I, just, I I always remember it as everyone's priorities just changing slightly. Like for me, like my job was going really well. You know, I never really imagined myself having a good, successful career. You know, in in a normal job, I just mm. never really envisioned it. When it sort of all happened and yeah. started rolling, and I was loving every second of it. For the first time, I could see a different life outside of all I'd known for sort of. Because at this point, I was probably what twenty one, twenty two, maybe or maybe no twenty three. I might have been. So, you know, I'd given it since 17 till 23 and you even longer. And I just mm. felt that at the time... It was time to sort of move Try on. something different, yeah. Other, you've got, other you've priorities got... come into your yeah. life then. Yeah. And yeah. it's like my dad in the early years, obviously, probably being stricter when he had to be because he knew that the time was ticking. And at this point, I think the clock was ticking now. It was, it was yeah. catching up with us. And I think other things were important. And I then, like you say, I started my career as an estate agent and started to work up the ranks with that. And I think we all just, we didn't officially break up. We, we just, just wanted different things, we, we I just, think, We just took we? a bit of a break, yeah. and then we weren't sure what we were going to do, if we were going to gig, if we were just going to do YouTube videos. But we didn't really do much for a couple of years. It just kind of sort of stagnated. I, then, I lost my passion for it. And I sort every, of lost my passion. And I, I, remember, I remember Lewis rang me up one night, and he said, I don't know what's wrong with me, mate, but I've just lost my drive for all things music. And, and that's sad. And, and I hadn't seen Lewis also for a few weeks, and he, he came round with Lauren, uh, came around for like a takeaway of Steph and me and he just said I've not listened to any music for months 
and I'm not I'm not playing I'm not picked up a guitar in months yeah, just lost it. all I remember I remember that it was really sad to hear that as well mm. myself as well I hadn't played drums in a long time um, so I could understand completely what Lewis was going through because the, the drive just wasn't there Yeah, mm. and it's a shame and it was all like that and I had a couple of years of it and we weren't doing anything for two years and then at that point I started to get the bug for, for get, I, was, I was doing quite well with my career and but I missed, and I was very focused on my career at this point, but I did miss gigging and I did miss being in a band. And I knew you wasn't in a place, Lou, to do it. You, I, you know, we, we spoke a couple of times about getting together yeah. and you thought, well, maybe, mate. But I never really got the enthusiasm from you. And that's when really um, I started thinking, right, I need to join a, a covers band. Um, so, yeah, so obviously I, I then joined your band, Chris. Yeah. But tell us, what did you do just before then? Um, so up until then, so it must be about 2015, I think you joined... Uh, my band at the time um so up until then i mean i started playing guitar when i was about 12 or 13 never really wanted to play lead guitar um my my mum and dad were always into music from a young age i'd always listen to music but i never really sort of i never really got it i just kind of just sort of tallied along with it and everything like that um i weren't popular at school at all probably was bullied quite a lot i mean i was the typical chubby blonde kid with glasses and freckles you know so kind of just got a little bit pushed aside so i thought sort of i needed sort of release um so guitar was that um there's a couple of guys in my class playing guitar uh one of them was james abel one was reese davis and us three we, we sort of really gelled sort of year seven year eight it's about 13 years old i suppose um and then i just i found it really found it i mean it was, Reached just to come around mine after school and we'd just like listen to Guns N' Roses. We just absolutely love Guns N' Roses. I had Appetite for Destruction album over and over again in my room. And um, he'd learned how to play Switch Hard of Mine. And I was like in awe of the fact that he could play the Switch Hard of Mine intro. I mean, I, I literally knew like a D chord on guitar at that point. <laughs> I didn't even know really of any bands. I mean, I knew Deep Purple because my dad and Die Straits, but that was about, that was the only two bands I knew up under Guns N' Roses. So, you know, love the fact that he could play Switch Hard of Mine. I thought, I'm going to do that. I bought, be that man. I, bought the, <laughs> I bought the Lick Library DVD. Yeah. Learned to play Guns N' Roses with old Danny Gill. And I thought, you know what? I was going to sit down and I'm going to learn Switch Hard of Mine. And I learned it and I learned it note for note all the way through to the end. And then I thought to myself, yeah, I like that. I'm going to stick at this. And then from that day on, never put it down. Just never put it down. Um, I had a couple of jams and stuff with people at school. Just kept going. Just kept going. Left, left school. Um, was doing a you know, went down the whole heavy metal route. You know, we all do. Did a band we? called Insult to Injury. Oh, yeah. It's doing sort of uh, asking Alexandra covers and oh, oh, Lamb of God and stuff and everything. Oh, mate, I love asking Alexandra. Yeah. Um, you know, we did we did a gig and then it fizzled out. And then I thought to myself, I wanted to do originals. I didn't have anyone to do originals with, so I thought the only thing I could really do, and that was probably about sixteen, seventeen, um, just get together with a band and jam. Which is what I wanted to do. Um, so we just learned no like Black Sabbath covers. I it was so many in and out members. I mean, I had a couple of guys from school that I had jammed with, and I had a mate of mine, Liam Gloucester, as well. We got together a few times. Nothing ever materialised at all, as you probably know, Ryan. And also, you guys, when you're young, all you want to do really is be the best. But not many people at that age really want to work hard and get there. Yeah. I wanted to work hard and get there. Nobody else did, and I wasn't in. An, I wasn't. I didn't have the confidence and the friends. That would get me to that. Um, so again, I'm probably about 18, 19 years old. Quit. I just yeah. quit. I just thought, that, what is the point in playing guitar? Um, I 
looked at selling. I had a, a PRS at the time, I think. Thought, just get rid of it. Don't want it. Um, and then I was just looking on Draw My Band one day and it said covers band or pub, pub band looking for a lead guitar player. And I thought, why not? I'll go along, um, see how it goes. I mean, I never played covers before and I thought, some, well, I had I jammed them with my mates, but I'd never been in a covers band or anything yeah. like that. I turned up, um, old guy on the drums, old guy on the bass and um, a lady called Yvonne on vocals. And I thought to myself, you know, these are just guys that want to get together and play. Um, and I thought, why not? Mm. Um, I didn't really think much of it, to be honest. I was just enjoying playing with musicians again. Uh, we formed a covers band. Didn't really go anywhere. Kind of done a few little open mic nights. Then me and the drummer, Paul, um, we decided that we'd form another band. Um, I don't really know why. He just kind of put the idea in my head. And I was 18 and I thought, yeah, again, fuck <laughs> <laughs> I'm in two bands. Yeah. <laughs> so we formed another band um, and that was covers band and that was called Concourse at the time. I don't know how I thought of the name. just liked it. Um, and that we had me, Paul, the drummer, and my friend Dale, Holt Mead, um, came in on bass, who's in a band now uh, called The Trusted, who are doing really well, um, and a girl called Courtney on vocals. Um, that band went on. We did loads of... No, we we did a few things. We did like a, like a a charity gig in Camden. I think we did a few things like that. Again, you know, it went on for a little bit. Didn't really get any gigs. That was the problem. None of us had the confidence to approach the pub landlords, which we'll get on in a minute. Is terrifying sometimes. Yeah. Um, and it 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 just needed it didn't move anywhere. Needed to go somewhere. So unfortunately, Paul, the drummer at the time, he was a lot older than us. He was about sixty, I think, when he was with us. And I was 19, so a bit of an age difference there. Um, he he left, um, and then we got another drummer in called Matt Lamb, who is friends with Zach Ballinger. Yeah. Um, and we then we did a lot, quite a lot of gigs. We gigged sort of like a lot of South End. We did the Sutton Arms when it was called the Sutton Arms, now called the Cowan Telescope. Don't know why. Um, <laughs> um, we played Townhouse. We did Papillon. Yeah, a few in Chelmsford. We really sort of started pushing it really hard. Um, but at that time, Matt and Dale were in an originals band called Duke at the time, which Sam Edwards, ironically, yeah, was. yeah, yeah. Sam joined that, didn't he? Yeah. Well, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it's all linked, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's crazy how it all links together. Um, so it just left me and Courtney in the band. So we decided we got together. We decided that no, you know what, we we really enjoyed it. So we will. Let's go and look for new members. Went on the old join my band, as hey. you do. Takes you back, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, we then had a bass player and a drummer come down. A guy called Ian from Ireland and a Mr. Tony Carr from Brentwood, originally from Durham. Um, and he came down on bass and Ian was on drums. That lineup really worked well. Ian, Ian from Ireland, he was a professional drummer. That was, that was his job. So he was on it on the drums. Fantastic. Um, again, I think he just wanted to do it for the money. He, he, we were just getting 60 to 100 quid a gig. He didn't want to put any commitments at rehearsals, which I understand from his point of view because, it, again, it was part of his career. So for him that's been doing it for so long, why would you want to rehearse? Um, he didn't want to, he didn't really want to, he just wanted to turn up. Mm. So, <laughs> which on. is always the thing, isn't it, with it, some members? <laughs> it is, it is always the thing. Um, 
Tony, the bass player, he, great guy, really good friend of mine and Ryan's, isn't he? Mm. Um, great guy. He, he at the time was in another band called The Censors and he had a drummer called Will, um, who's a great friend of us again, mm. ours again. Um, and at the time, Ian left, so Tony drafted in Will. And then that lineup then, when we was all together, that was really good. We did the Golden Fleece, Star and Garter a few times. We went up to, went up to O'Neill's in Brentwood. Um, was doing all the, you know, the big cover band gigs that you want to do in the local area. We was getting, you know, was getting actually noticed as well. But we didn't have a social media presence. None of us knew what we were doing with it, really. And then it, it started to drag. And then things sort of started to fizzle out a little bit. Um, what some of you don't know is I was actually in a relationship with the singer Courtney. That broke down, which then put a massive strain on the band. Um, Courtney left the band. Um, and then that is the point where I thought to myself, I don't want to do anything to do the music ever again. I had a Stratocaster at the time. Become a nun. I literally, <laughs> I was like, a bit like you, Lewis. I just, I didn't listen to music. I just thought, no, I don't want anything to do with it because I had such a negative um, ending with band that lineup. I thought to myself, I just, what is the point? Mm. I, I resent the guitar. I hated it. Yeah. I thought, there's just no point. I mean, even the calluses on my fingers just went soft. I just, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> well, as a guitar player, you know, you know, you know at that yeah, point, yeah, you yeah. think, oh, what is it? Um, <laughs> and then I sort of stumbled across a guitar player called Chris Buck, who's from a band called Buck and Evans, on my Facebook. And he was doing, like, tuition videos just on his phone. Um, he's quite a bluesy sort of soul guitar player, but he played a lot like John Mayer, a bit Derek Truxy as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's that kind of thing. I listen to it, and his approach to teaching people to play guitar was just like so fluid and so like natural. Mm, draws the attention. He's yeah. just like a really nice guy, and he made mistakes on videos, which you don't see when you look at mm-hmm. Lick Library DVDs because he's edited to <laughs> So you know you'd never see mistakes on those things. But this guy was teaching you solos and stuff, and he'd be playing like a bum note. You go, oh, sorry about that, you know, and things like that. And it was just a nice sort of thing. It was and real. Then, it was real. Yeah. yeah. And then that was sort of Christmas. 2000, that was end of 2014 going into 2015 oh no the other 2015 sorry um, and I thought to myself oh I'm just going to sit and learn he's one of his solos and I did and I thought that's really opened up my way of playing guitar there and he was just like you know the best way to solo is I, I you know, know your neck know your different positions and everything all that so I was really sort of inspired by that and then I spoke to Tony and Will and I, we went up for a drink in Colchester got, got hammered and I, I said you know should we just Look for a new singer. Thought, yeah, why not? Fuck it again. <laughs> Back on join me band we went, and then that's when Ryan popped up. Yeah. So I think at that point, like I say, I hadn't gigged for a couple of years. Um, you know, and then I was I was getting the edge to the itch, if you like, to play again. Um, like we said earlier, Lou, you wasn't really up for it at the time, was you? And I didn't really feel I thought, you know, for the first time in years, I'll, I'll try a different project. You know, I'll join a band that's already formed <laughs> and I don't have to be the main man. I can just come in and, and just just start something new, you know. Um, so I looked on join my band and there was a few bands that I looked at, went for a couple of auditions, but the band wasn't for me. There was one really good band called The Riff Raffs, um, which I very nearly got the, the job there, but I... I I said no before the audition because uh, I, t- I couldn't gig every single Friday, Saturday night, one in Leeds and Yorkshire. And, yeah, it just takes and then, and then in Birmingham, off, doesn't it? Yeah, I just couldn't commit to that. And then I saw your advert 
And I think I was talking to Tony. Yeah. And then I spoke to you on the phone. Yeah. Um, and I came down for the audition. Yeah. And that was at Stag Studios, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it? You walk, you walks in in your leather jacket. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, not this jacket. From what I Um And uh, we was all like, "Oh, what's it going to be like?" You know, we all agreed that we needed someone to come in the band and be a front man. We needed somebody that's going to engage with an audience, engage with us, have a bit of banter, but wanted, you know, mm. basically we just needed somebody who's got a little bit of an ego <laughs> in a kind of roundabout way because yeah. we we didn't have that we were yeah. just kind of uh, all the time you know every time we wanted someone to do something it was just like oh i can't be bothered mm. um so yeah you walked in um i think <laughs> i mean we said i think we gave you like four songs to learn i think it was um hash pipe by weezer i think um sex on fire Ugh. Um, the standard, the standard ones, yeah. I think there's a few other rocky ones. I don't. I think it might have been come together as well. Come together, and I think there was the um, Queens of the Stone Age. Queens of Stone Age, yeah. Which is is actually a really difficult yeah. song to yeah. sort of. It's quite harsh an audition one to do. I thought, but Tony was like, "Well, you have to play that one." So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Tony, that's not your accent. <laughs> quite close. Yeah, no, still only there. Um, yeah, and we played Sex on Fire, and you put your guitar down, and you went, that's a really good warm-up song, that, isn't it? <laughs> and all three of us, so me, Will, and Tony, you know, heads, apparently all, at the same time just thought, yeah, this, this bloke would do, he's a bit of a bell. <laughs> <laughs> when can you start? Yeah. <laughs> no, but it was, then you joined. It, so. it was funny, actually, that audition, because, you know, I don't mean this, in a, again, in an arrogant way, and you know now, obviously, playing with the apes in terms of the discipline that we've all got and, and the, you know, the, how we work and the experience I had in the past, I kind of had a feeling, I mean, it was ne- nothing was guaranteed, but I kind of had a feeling that I was going to get it before I turned up. Uh, it was just really just whether I kind of wanted to do it or yeah. not. I mean, we have spoken on the phone anyway. I kind of had, so, I just kind of, yeah. watching the videos, and I, I knew you guys were a great band, I was, but I just, it was one of those where, would we gel? Yeah. And I could tell that we would. Everyone seemed nice, but the fun, that what I found quite funny is I walked in, um, to do the audition, and Tony just literally no subtlety at all, just took this GoPro out of his camera, <laughs> out of his pocket, and yeah. said, I'm "Just going to film you." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he did that. We had about four auditions before you, and, and he'd, he'd get the GoPro out and put it in the corner. I mean, some people were a bit like, "Why are you getting a GoPro?" And he's like, "Just want to record it so we can watch it back and see if you're all right." Like that. It was just like <laughs> people were just like, "All oh, right." That's like, okay, yeah, then. no subtlety. <laughs> but I really enjoyed it, and and you guys were great, and I liked Will, I liked Tony, and. You know, I could tell, especially you, I, I thought, you know, one yeah. day you might be in the apes or something. I just had yeah. that feeling because you was always ape standard. Did you know, this? Is, I'm trying to f- phrase this in a way that doesn't sound really arrogant. What I've I mean, heard the peppermint apes before Ryan joined. But, yeah, well, yeah. what I mean is, so did you have any concept of Ryan's history or anything? Yeah. Or was it just like, oh, I know he's been in a band, I've heard of the band. Well, he's been... My mum, um, she used to work for a company called, well, with a, a charity called the RDA, which is the Riding for the Disabled Association. So she'd teach disabled mm. children to ride horses. Oh, wow. Um, and she was involved in the Reese Audley Foundation. And I knew of the Peppermint Apes through that because my, um, she went to, I think my mum was at the Edge gig that you guys okay, did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she said to me, oh, I saw a really good band the other night. Um, the singer was really good and there was, there was a really good a- atmosphere about it and they were really good. And I was like, what they called Peppermint Apes. And I was just like, and I think this, you must have advertised in the past or posted mm. something on the Essex cover bands community or something like that. Yeah. And I'd seen it. Um, also knew Terry Stewart as well, mm. which I know is your old guitar teacher. And he yeah. was quite, he used to share a lot of stuff from the apes. Um, so yeah, I'd heard 
and I knew a little bit about. So you knew he had a background in yeah. gigging and, and performing s- and all that. Studied them on YouTube as well, um, and we spoke on the phone, hadn't we? Yeah. So, so he had some concept that he'd had yeah. experience in, in in a band. But it was a weird one that audition because I could sense you all got on, but I could sense not an awkwardness, but I could I could feel the deflation. Yeah. Like I, I could see in you. I didn't even know you at the time, and I could tell that you'd. It's almost like you'd been bruised yeah. musically, and you just needed that lift. And after a while, we we started to gel, yeah. you know. And we were doing some good gigs. We were we were. I joined Concourse, and we decided to change the name to Strikeout. Yes, because uh, uh, Bill West, I love this one. Uh, the name was a little bit middle of the road, so uh, <laughs> we, put, we changed it to the fast lane. <laughs> hey. You'll love that yeah. <laughs> Strikeout, but no, it was good. And and do you know what? I think. Especially for the first year of us going, I really thought we could be a good covers band. Like we were a good covers band, but I really thought we could be that band that locally and, and I mean, picks I, up. I used to see on on the Facebook all the time, um, like every week you were saying you're playing at this venue, this venue, this venue. So the gigs were coming in then, weren't they? Really, mm. I, it was just one of those things. It was hard because. We just couldn't get. In the end, it was hard to get together for rehearsals. Yeah, it was impossible. Yeah, it's like herding cats, as they say. We couldn't always agree on things, could we? In terms of what goes back to that same old story, doesn't it? That you hear common theme. Previous, yeah, it's a very common theme. I think it was the problem with that band is, in my opinion, and this would be another podcast topic, and it does work. I mean, with us, we've got a bit of a democracy way of working, but I think it, it was too much of a democracy where no decisions got made in it's the just end. That everyone was just so laid back with everything that just nothing was Yeah, I mean yeah, to a point. I mean Tony was very good at trying to organise things. He was very good, but it was hard and I mean what's your thoughts on that band, Chris? I mean, because I I felt it was going well. Yeah. But in the end I think the motivation just kind of it, dipped. It dropped for me. Um it dropped for me probably within you know within about like you said, about a year of you being in the band. The gigs were great, we're doing really well. And then it just kind of Wanting to learn new songs, no one's learnt them. Not 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 no one, but it, it everyone collectively, yeah. e- collectively it weren't learnt. Um, well, we need to get more gigs. We don't enjoy that gig. Let's you know. And then I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to go and get gigs. I, I just I just couldn't do it. Um, Tony, he really took on that responsibility of trying to get gigs, and and he you know he's he's not the most extroverted person, which is not not problem obviously, but to, to go out and get a gig. In a pub, you basically need to be a salesman that can sell snow to Eskimos, really, mm. because a pub landlord does not really care if you're a really good band. It's sales, isn't it? Yeah. It's a big part of that. And you know, and this is not, again, I've said it about every lineup. I've said it to you two to your faces as well about things as well. And I think with that particular lineup, we all got on. And, you know, I, I just think with me, maybe I didn't fit the band 100% purely because what the experience I had with the apes. I wasn't trying to take control. I don't think I ever tried to take control, but I just had this natural discipline, like you said, Sam, where it's like, okay, let's stop the song here, guys, or let's work on this, or maybe let's try and do this gig. It was just naturally in me, and I don't mm. think the other guys were used to that, and I think that, in, not, I don't know if it intimidated people, but it didn't always go down very uh, well. Some people can't handle that kind of thing, can they? But the thing is, if you're a session musician or a function musician, yeah, yeah like me and Lewis, we went to college together, uh, two years, done music, we had a music teacher who taught us discipline. And have you ever seen the film Whiplash? Yeah, yeah. Haven't he was kind of like, the, he wouldn't actually do it, but he he would probably throw a cymbal at your head if you kept them playing while he was talking. Were you rushing or dragging? Exactly. <laughs> but, that's, but that's what he was like. Not that he ever done it, but he had that kind of 
aura about him. If you were to, if you kept on playing over him and playing over other musicians, he got really annoyed, and I can see why. It's so frustrating when when he's playing the bands back in at Chinneries, things like that. You got the singer trying to talk to the audience. You got the drummer doing a drum solo behind him. It's like it's, it's not really necessary. And mm-hmm. I'll admit, I used to do that as well when I was first playing gigs. I used to do that as well because you just wanted yeah. to show off what you did. So. But to be a function musician or a session musician, you, you have, have to, to have the discipline. And I'm so glad me and Lewis learned that discipline. And I think you've learned it from your dad. And I think you've learned it as well, Chris. So I think it's very good that us, all four of us have got it. So, But it, a lot of people can't handle no. discipline. That's the thing. No, because it is a release. And I think Strikeout in the end, I think we lacked a bit of that at the beginning. But I think towards the end, actually, I, I know we kind of lost the motivation, but... I think we started to get a bit of discipline, and mm. we start songs started to flow. We we everyone had a set list. Yeah. Set list. Tony was brilliant at putting the set list together in the end, and uh, it's a shame, really. It, it kind of wasn't going anywhere. And then I think one day you and I, I think, was going for a drink with the lads, weren't we? Yeah, I was we, drunk. We, <laughs> and and you just said, "Ryan, I've had enough," kind of thing. And at that time, just before Strikeout sort of was calling it a day, about six months before that, Josh put a little status on Facebook, didn't he? Remember that, Lou? He, he he sort of tagged me and you in and Sam in, Sam Edwards, and said, I think guys would love to play with you guys again or something like that. I can't remember how it went. It was something like that. And we then met up at the water mill and had a meal. And we discussed about, you know, getting the band back. Um, Obviously, I was doing gig strikeout. It was it was new. And we were thinking maybe we won't gig straight away. Um, But that's just write songs again. And and we did, and I think for the first time, what I loved about this time is the Apes was coming back, but it wasn't almost like a proper full-on band. It, we were just becoming friends again, mm. weren't we? We were yeah, hanging out. Yeah, yeah. We were going around Josh's house, and we weren't making any music. We were just like listening to his amazing, funny stories, and belly laughters every single time. Just going for meals, going for drinks, and we'd never really had that before. I think we were so always writing a song, doing a gig. We never really, I mean, us even with this lineup, we're starting to bond now. Even in the past, we always got on, but we never had that bond time, did we? I think with any of the liner, and I think this was nice that we could do that. Well, I'm a running down the road, trying to lose my love. Got seven women on my mind. For the one who owed me two, the one who stole me one, and she's a friend of mine. Take it easy, take it easy. Don't let the sound of your Just before Strikeout officially split, we also agreed to do, because Sheila from the Bowers Club contacted the Peppermint Apes on Facebook, because I think we put some posts out, and she sort of said, guys, I'd love to book you for a gig. Yeah, yeah. And we decided we'd do it, um, but as it was a good few years since the Apes had officially done a gig, it was also coinciding with the 10-year anniversary. Okay, yeah. Um, which was which was really, really good. And we kind of thought, obviously, the lineup, myself, Josh Smith, you and Sam, we was all well up for doing it and gigging again but we felt as it's been a good few years and it's a 10 year journey we'll, we'll get some special guests in mm. and we spoke to you again Sam so you was back on board yeah, I got the phone call again the <laughs> so, bat phone always rings for you didn't it get the beacon up in the sky <laughs> no exactly <laughs> like the beacons <laughs> 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 and, uh, so funny. and a day fault as well 
He yeah. um he's he's been involved over the years, come and help with he, recordings, and he, and he actually and he done came an back to the gig. That as well, oh, didn't yeah, 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 yeah. which we still use it, which you've edited. But yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, it was awesome. And then obviously Zach, it was. It, I mean, that was a special moment. So First good. time yeah. in about Zach, seven years. Zach behind the kit, the apes was brilliant. I just contacted him. Like, it was years since I spoke. We'd never really officially fallen out, but I, I, I just spoke to him and said, "Dude, I hope you're well." He's a dad now, and this that, and the other. And would you like to play? And he said, "Mate, I'd love to." And it was great to rehearse with him. And it's great guys. Yeah, think. and also my dad agreed to play as yeah, well. Yeah. And we had Andy Kill, who's been like you know in bands with my dad's over the years. And we did a couple of gigs in France as the Pep and Apes, technically. You know, didn't we with you yeah, on guitar yeah. and Andy on drums? Out, did didn't, those, we it? did a few gigs yeah. with Andy Kill. Was a great all round yeah. drummer, isn't he? He's just like, he turns up and just plays great drums. Didn't uh, Steve Shepard do the sound? He did. Yeah. Uh, well, another Chris Jones, funny enough, came and helped with the, with the disc. Oh, yeah. <laughs> came and did that, but it was a great night. Really good show. And, and Bissell was there as well. Yeah. And he also had a little team of him as well, didn't he? He did. He bought multiple, people. Multiple, uh, yeah. And we haven't officially uploaded any of those videos yet. So at some point this year, hopefully, we'll we'll pull out the 10-year show. Or and, and I thought it was a really good gig. I mean, what did you guys think? I mean, Chris, you came and watched the Apes. Yeah, it was really night. good. I, I was blown away, to be perfectly honest, because I'd always seen sort of um, covers bands and I thought to myself, you know, I've obviously seen original bands as well. But, you know, it's not, you just can't have put an expectation in your head. I obviously knew that the Peppermates were a really good band, but I didn't know the sound was going to be that good. I didn't yeah. know. That's the thing how, that they catch you with it, didn't how, they? How tight yeah. it was and, and the harmonies. I was just like, no other band does that, yeah. really. I mean, you get the occasional one that will come out of the pipeline and do it, but. That's what that's what drew me into the yeah. band, mate, was hearing them harmonies and a band actually achieving that. You know, yeah. you don't get it often at mm. all. But it's just, there's there's an essence of discipline about it that you, you kind of lack. And I think, you know, you obviously you'd been through so much in the past with it and everything that you're probably at that point, you're just enjoying it more than anything that's in the what, world. Yeah, exactly. And that's what that gig was, wasn't it, Lou? It's and fantastic. I, I, it wasn't really, we've always had pressure. I mean, we had pressure in terms of, okay, let's make it tight, but which is a natural musician thing to think. But other than that, we it was just turn up and play. And, mm. and and put on a good night. And- it, it was quite a special um, gig for me because that's the first gig I played and since I left the band, I hadn't really even touched the drums. When you called me up and said, we're going to do some rehearsals for this gig, I was like, scared, to be honest with you, because I was, and got my drumsticks out of the, the case for years. Um, yeah. And then when you said, oh, Sheila wants, has requested Adore You, I was like, yeah, that was that, a nice let's, get, let's revive it, let's yeah, do it. And yeah. that, and that was an honour, really, to think that you brought that in and, it was just so good. Mm. I mean, and it was just so, it was such a nice touching feeling amazing, to me. Yeah, Everyone yeah. came it was back. Like, and then Zaz, the old, then old Josh jumped up on the vocal and his dad jumped on drums on Highway to Hell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw everyone's face. When Josh belted out that first line, people were like, oh my God. He's a beast of a vocalist yeah. with that song in particular. It was so nice just to celebrate so much with everyone in one go. Do you know what I mean? Just to be able to celebrate all of those years in one little go kind of thing. Um, mm. And for me, like you said, Sam, but you like... Uh, for that period between not playing, like from mm. leaving and that, and I had no passion for it, like Chris said as well, it was the first time in years that I felt like me again. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? As profound yeah. as that sounds, that it, something first song kicked in yeah. and I just thought, oh my God, I feel like myself again. Probably. And you was ready. First, you yeah, was ready and, to go. And that yeah. was it. That was the start of it again. I was like, right, this this feels oh, good. I know it's a big right. change in it as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what you need. And, that, and it's great that you've got that. And, you know... It's just so good to see you playing again, and it's great, I, mate. It's great, it's great to see everyone yeah, playing again. And absolutely. and I think on that, just quickly, I think that kind of gave me the buzz to think I want the apes back. 
you know, and I think the strikeout was kind of disappearing. I still think strikeout could have been a great band, but at that point, you'd had enough. I, I think everyone had enough collectively, and it, and it made me realise. I mean, we spoke about doing other bands and stuff, but it just made sense to do the apes and bring it back. And obviously, with Josh if and Sam, you already had, you know, over five thousand likes on Facebook, and a lot of people who wanted to see the band. It made sense to kind of continue, to just use that, you know. And then that's that's it really. So it then brings us on really to last year and, and going forward. So, mm. you know, I think we 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 agreed. Obviously, Josh and Sam wanted to be involved, and we we kind of agreed to do the New Year's Eve gig, um, which was brilliant. Yeah, and really it, special night. It was again Josh Smith, Sam Edwards, me and you. But we also thought to really put on a special show as the ten year show went down so well. Wouldn't it be good if we can have special guests again? So we, we got, Zach was up for it again. Um, my dad wanted to play a few songs and Sam, you was well up for it. And then we even said to you, Chris, you know, would you like to sort of come on board and, and play some songs? And then we were all just getting ready for the set. Obviously, New Year's Eve, the, the normal lineup with Josh and Sam, that, you know, that went down fantastic. And Josh played Highway to Hell again. But when we were rehearsing, us four, it was, there was just something special. Mm. It was just really working. Yeah. And obviously, Chris, you had some contacts and gigs to fulfill, obviously a strikeout for next year. And I think we all just kind of felt that we could do something. We could do something. It was really good because I remember, I remember when uh, I got the call again. (laughs) (laughs) I was was sitting in my front room watching the chase. I think Lewis rung me. I was like, Oh, here ne- we go again. I was like, I was like Lewis never There's rings me. There's only one reason he's ringing me. Yeah, I was like, Lewis never rings me. And he rang me. Well, I think I think I was on loudspeakers both years, and you said, "Look, we're going to be um, putting together function gigs and things like that and stuff like that. Do you want some of it?" And I was like, "Absolutely, yeah." Yeah, you I mean, called me the same night. On yeah, yeah. We're just like, yeah. let's just make it happen. Let's yeah. do it. Absolutely. And and it and it's working. And and the, and on the back of the gig, we just knew that we had to keep this. And it's quite refreshing because I think, obviously, the video that we put out, we, we mentioned that, obviously, we're still going to keep the apes going, obviously, with Josh and Sam. And we're enjoying that, aren't we? Writing yeah, songs. it's fantastic. Yeah, because I think that's where we, we excel, being creative in that regard. And I think the 10-year the, the show and the new year show really confirmed, to, to me at least, that this is bigger than just a couple of people. It just feels so right. Whoever gets up, whoever does anything. You know, there's a point where, where we were doing the set with, with you, Chris, and Sam. Um, and then Josh just gets up and he's singing with us and then playing tambourine and playing a bit of guitar and Zach's up and it's just feel you know we're what I mean? a family there's, there's, yeah there's no egos yeah. mm. there's no drama it's like great musicians just getting together to make something special that we all are yeah. really proud of and I'm exactly and I'm looking forward to writing songs with them and, and writing songs with you guys but hopefully the, at some point I think point. the biggest thanks though has to go to your dad right oh Colin because if you think we've all got discipline we've all got this um, bond in the band and that's your dad like he we've all gone through your dad in the band even me yeah even Chris yeah and you, like Colin's come down to our rehearsals and said oh Chris stand close to the mic you know do this do it. confidence things like and and it, and that that's the that's the only the, all, the thing we've all got in common yeah, the is, your, is your dad we've all got so that I've respect got, I've got to thank and... your dad for that really He's well, he, yeah. even, even in the strikeout times you know I first met him he'd come down and set the PA up for us on the first gig I didn't really know much about him or anything like that, but I, I knew that he had the experience, and I think I think Tony had said to you, didn't he? Oh, can we have a chat with your dad? What, what would be his advice? Mm. And I come round, and he was just telling me about discipline. It was just like you know, when a guy's doing the sound, don't play guitar. Don't just it's as simple just, as that. Don't play guitar because he said you sound really unprofessional. 
if you're trying to, if someone's trying to set the sound up, and the pub's over trying to have a drink or watch football or something like it that, it annoys people. And you're playing guitar, it's annoying. No one wants to listen to it. And you're not playing yet, so don't do it. And I was like, fair enough. Yeah, and it's just very it just simple goes in. thing, very just, simple thing to yeah. do, isn't it? Yeah. But no, I have to agree, and I think he's over the years. I mean, especially America. You know, the first few years of the band as a recap, if you like. Yeah. That was incredible to think that he mm. he, he took an unknown band to America, got us a record deal got us gigs obviously scouting for girls and again full credit to Anne as well for her support she was yeah, incredible yeah, yeah and Paul and, as well and, you know and Colin Smith on, on recent years but my dad in particular just what he did was was just incredible and, and the, the loyalty um, and to this day you know he's really enthusiastic and loves the fact that as a band we're sort of managing it ourselves that's what I was just about to say mm. I think it. now your dad's taken a step back because um, I think he trusts us with the project yeah uh, we've matured enough to take it on ourselves yeah. and don't get me wrong I love the fact he does have his input as well um, I think that now he now he just takes a step back and just yeah. seeing a mature mature bunch of lads he's, going out on their own now yeah. and just sorting it you know, he's there when we need him he is definitely a father figure to the band mm. as well as obviously being your yeah, yeah, yeah. you think he's a father, father figure for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the highlight of our first gig together, though. It was like just looking at him and seeing how proud he was. Yeah, it really meant the world, you know, to look and you could see in his face that he thought, no, like he could see years of stuff manifest itself in a way that was something to be proud of, you mm. know. And, and like for me, like I say, Special like he, yeah, like for me, he genuinely is probably one of my one of my or if not the biggest musical influence mm. that I think I've ever had. Yeah, I agree. he changed like you know, I mean like. Remember, Lou, you wouldn't even sing a, a note. Wouldn't sing a note. And the ne- next few months, Lou was harmonising. And I was like, how do you do that? He's like, you just pitch your voice up. That's what Lewis's words were. And <laughs> I said, all right. And I I can't do it personally. It's but confidence. There's it's no confidence. difference between any of us or what I was starting like. And even now, it's still, you know. I, I never went near a microphone at all. Like, literally terrified I think I'd... but you're coming out yourself and it's good yeah you know. come he, out he, people yeah. like him and Anna, <laughs> coming out boy <laughs> yeah, yeah. guilty but people like him and us like you know there to support and bring everyone yeah. like, give you the confidence mm. that you already have you know so so what what you know what's our future plans then I suppose would be the last sort of question on it yeah I mean obviously regards to Josh and Sam I think like we said he, they're still very much part of the band and we're going to aim to write some songs. And and we're going to have them on podcasts yes. as well. We're going to have them on videos and things like that, of course. I mean, that's great. And We've uh, already started writing together, we so have, we're, we, we're going to be putting stuff that we're pretty proud of, aren't we, I think? Yeah, all writing together collectively, because in the early days, Against the Wall and all that, it was pretty much all my writing, but now it's just good that all four of us can contribute. Mm-hmm. I know, Chris, you've got some song ideas yeah. and would like to add to the mix, and perhaps us four at some point will write, start writing, but... That's going to be really good. It's it's one great team. We can all help each other out. But obviously, with us four, I mean, I mean, our, the main thing really is we're gigging, and we've got loads of gigs booked oh, this year. 21, 21 gigs booked yeah. this year. Yes, we've got Big one every year. month apart from obviously July. Yeah, um, yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? It's just so it's really good. Exciting. But it goes back that the name is still out there because mm. pubs have actually taken us on because of the band name. Yeah, yeah. So it's helped. I, when I went down to Burnham on Crouch last weekend. Um, you know, I walked in and instantly the, the landlady was like, oh, we're really excited to have you. We've been all looking at the Facebook page and everything like that. You know, it's just such a nice sort of feeling to sort of think, all oh, right, I'm in a band that people want to go and see, you know. It's really rewarding. No, it's, I'm looking forward to it. And aside from gigging, and it's it's really good to fact, it's the first time that gig uh, the Apes have had back-to-back 
gigs and a good purpose. And we've got obviously plans on YouTube. You know, we're going to put out as many. I mean, every single month, I'm going to be vlogging and, and sharing our document. You know, what, our journey. And we've already shared January so far. Mm-hmm. Um, we just want to sort of get out as much, be consistent. I think over the years, the apes have done some fantastic stuff. Like we've adore you. Wanna, you just don't want to stagnate. Like do. That's the thing. You want to yeah. just keep it fresh. Rather than one video every year, you want to be, you know, you want to be consistent. That's the main thing. Mm. But as well as the music videos, obviously, we, and the vlogs, this is another thing at podcasts. We want to be, and this is obviously the first podcast. So this is the history of the band. It's is more about us, but. You know, we're going to be talking about all different topics, aren't we, Sam? Absolutely, yeah. So it, it's, like I said in the video the other day, it's going to be about the music industry in general. Uh, it would be, it could be about each us, each of us as individuals, why we learn our instrument, what we play, why we play it, why does Lewis, you know, use Gibson guitars, mm. why does he use Kemper amps, why does uh, Chris use Fender and yeah. things like that. And we'll also give the um, audience, you know, our Facebook Followers and subscribers, an opportunity to suggest topics. Absolutely, it could be how to write a song. It could yeah. be anything about the music event, industry. We'll, we'll we'll even have reviewing <laughs> songs if, if I can work out how to do it. But eventually, we'll even have maybe people call in. You know, hopefully, it, it, there's so it, many things we want to it, do. It's limitless what we can do. So, and that's what's exciting about the new era for the band. It's a new decade now, mm. and there's and the band has only just begun, in my opinion. Yeah. You yeah, can think of all the stories yeah. so far. I mean, from my perspective, you know, you said earlier what was the vision for the band, and it was to go to the top and be the next big thing. I'm realistic. I don't see us being the next Beatles or anything like that now. I'm not bothered about that. Maybe the next Rolling Stones. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll settle for the Who. Yeah. But I think from not our Beatles. perspective, <laughs> yeah, as long as we can enjoy what we're doing and we put on some good shows and people know who we are and we can build up the YouTube presence, that's my goal. I mean, what's your plans? What would you got? What's your vision, guys? Well, to be perfectly honest with you, I, I just enjoy doing the gigging, really, and I'd love to get on some sort of circuit as well, to yeah. be honest with you, like, when I played in my function band with um, uh, a band called Chick Flick, um, done all loads of universities as well, done proms and stuff and birthday. And I'd love to also get on the holiday parks and things like that because it guaranteed an audience in the height of season as well. So that kind of, and you know, if imagine if you play like Butlins or something, <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. I'm, but then th- this is going to be one of our future videos is, uh, podcast, sorry, is um, what is success? Well, success is. Um, everyone has their own concept of it. People mm. want to be a rock star. People want to be famous. Me personally, I just want to do well doing this. Mm. That's success to me. And you know, you know, enjoying it, enjoying it as well. Absolutely. You know, it gives uh, yeah. you a purpose. Yeah. How about you, Chris? What'd you, um, it's just, I, I just want to, you know, what we're doing right now, really, um, being a band that is motivated and wants to, wants to achieve a goal. And, and that's what we're doing. So that's my sort of goal in, on track within this band um and like i said you know i I don't i don't want to break guitar strings anymore (laughs) (laughs) every every single rehearsal without foul yeah you've been breaking how about about you lou yeah i I want a legacy to be proud of like you know for my kids and like so like same as you were saying sam you know like with oscar stuff you'll have things that you can be proud of that you can show whether it's videos recordings all that kind of stuff i want you know i i'm so happy to be playing with all you boys like it's so much fun to gig and rehearse and Mm. and record and write and you know I look forward to every rehearsal. I look forward to every gig. I look forward to every time we get together just to hang out. Do you know what I mean? I, I just want something to be proud of. Yeah. I, I, I want to be a massive local band that 
everyone all throughout knows who we are and wants to see us when they think of their Friday nights or Saturday nights they think yeah let's go down there let's have a few beers let's have a laugh let's have a song you know a bit of a sing song yeah yeah yeah, just that you know like because when you go and watch a good band you forget everything else don't you you have a laugh you just enjoy people's company Mm. you know and what 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 better impact can you have for people you know than Mm. to be something they look forward to going to see and just have a good time you know and I just love to be in a situation as well when venues contact us yeah exactly yeah how about you Bri well, like I said, I think for me, yeah. Record deal. Want to be bigger than the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> On the next nothing, Bono. Nothing, no- <laughs> I've got where, my leather jacket where and the, the sunglasses. sunglasses. <laughs> um, I, I just want to grow some hair again. No. Where? <laughs> Have some money for some implants. Where? No, I'm joking. Where? <laughs> I think, like I said earlier, I think... I just want to build the brand, just get it bigger and bigger and bigger. I want the YouTube. I'm really big on YouTube. I just I want to see that grow. I can smell the success. Yes. And I love this. I love podcasts. I love just talking, you know, because we, we, I do garage football you do as well. You do love chat, you, Oh, that gets me in trouble, <laughs> yeah. that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. But I think like you said, Lou, you just want things to be documented so you can look back on it. and Take to be proud of it. Yeah, yeah. But I think the two biggest things is the, the gig in front looking forward to doing more and, and hopefully be at a stage where we can just have that as our main income one day. Mm. And secondly, I'm, I really want to do a good album. That's, yeah, that's, 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 regardless how successful it is or whatever, I just want to look back on a really good album. So I'm just looking at the timer now, and we've been talking for two hours. Yes. So I think it's probably time to wrap up now, if you guys think. Um, if you're still listening now, over two and a half yeah, hours yeah, well, talking about this. Yeah, us. exactly. So it's now five to 11, <laughs> well past my bedtime. In yeah, the morning. Yeah, um, but I think for this, this will probably be the longest podcast we do because we've just gone really in deep, haven't we, on, on the history of the ape. The, the ape the apes yeah you do it really in depth if you like Chris you can get that dirty foot out of your head <laughs> <laughs> I didn't talk about no, we've gone really in depth with, with the apes so I think this would probably be the longest podcast we'd do so if, if people want to stick around and listen to all of this thank you very much yeah you're, you're, in, you're in for a ride absolutely but I think future future podcasts um there's going to be so much content we're going to be putting out there as well. Yeah, just talking about albums, talking about live, talking about news, yeah. films, anything, you know, Absolutely. like just a couple of people getting, you know, just get together and shoot the shit, have a laugh. Yeah. All right then. So that wraps up our first podcast. Uh, all right then, guys, if you really enjoyed it and like Sam said, sat around and listened to all of it, um, please comment, um, share, subscribe to everything that's involved on that. Um, you know, comment if you want a topic that you would like us to talk about because that'd be really good. All right, so... Thanks, guys. See you later.